and they still do stuffed crust the best too. Okay. Can't out pizza the hut. They were the originals, right? They the are. stuffed crust? Absolutely. I never Do you remember the Bigfoot pizza? It was like the first rectangle pizza. That's right. They I had a whole that. big marketing campaign. Okay. Bigfoot. <laughs> pizza was on their game in the eighties. They man. were. They were. Oh man, we're still recording. <clears throat> Let me stop this. <laughs> or whatever. I don't even care. Doesn't matter. It's just more for Tyler to sift through. Yeah. yeah just... All right. Sorry, Tyler. All right. You ready to go? Um, ready enough? I don't feel ready, but yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess so. I Should we go through I our checklist? I can't point my finger on why I don't feel ready. Take that. It's just you formatted a... the card. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's recording. We got audio. Both audios. All right. All right. Are we both? We're both here. We're both here. We got uh, notes filled out. Okay. Coffees are filled. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I don't feel ready. Okay, no. Phone silence? Yeah, okay. Whew. All right, let's do this. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 82 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we are going to be talking about a bunch of new things that are coming in. We're going to talk about which pens will be vintage classics, but in the future. So we get to prognosticate a little bit. Ooh. Don't always get to use that word. Uh, we're going to talk about the best flex pens. Saving cursive handwriting? Question mark. <gasps> we're going to do that? Sure. Congratulations. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk about the best pilot custom model. Whatever. Insert number here. Uh, we're going to be recommending some good first gold nib pens, and we're going to spotlight the Pilot Parallels, a vintage classic, and we're going to talk about some of our personal goings on. All of that is going to happen on this one. I have no crazy AI intros on this session. Well, we, we don't want to do that every we time. We made up for it last time, so we'll give you a breather, and if you miss it, maybe we'll bring it back. But anyway, we'll kick off this week with some feedback. <clears throat> okay. I need to open up this feedback with an apology because after mm. we talked about Merrill, the cowboy from last episode, yeah, yeah. I said the whole reason I received that great reply from him was because I asked for a, if I could use his picture, right. which I then did not include in the episode itself. Oops, that was dumb. <laughs> anyway, here he is. That is Merrill, our friend, our pen friend, the rancher from East Texas. And uh, there you have it. Uh, I was not making that up. He is real. Yeah. And um, got to say, his picture is pretty much exactly what I had visualized in my mind as you described him. It was beyond my expectations. <laughs> like, it's I don't know great. how, like, if someone were to show me a picture of him and be like, yeah, do you think this guy listens to the pen cast and, you know, uses fountain pens? Even though I shouldn't be surprised at this point, because we have connected with such a diverse group of people, I, I still would have been surprised because it just never ceases to amaze me how like this reach we have. And every time I meet somebody at a pen show, I'm just like, wait, you listen to me talk about pens for two hours? What? Wow. <laughs> I, I, it just blows my mind. And it's yeah. such a beautiful community. And uh, I love that I get surprised so often, frankly. I don't yeah. want it to ever stop because it's fun. It is a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, we got a ton of feedback about Merrill. They loved his story. They loved hearing his writing. I loved it too. Even a piece of feedback that said, he should write more. I hope he you know, writes a story or a book or something. And I 
said, I told him that. I'd l- I told him I'd read one. That sounds great. There you go. So that was really cool. Also, Brian, mm. we have some art to share. Awesome. Um, and I'm going to put this up on, you know, the screen for everybody to mm-hmm. see. But for you, I'm going to show you personally because you yeah. haven't seen these yet. Okay. Um, yeah, well, spoiler alert, Drew and I can't see what's up on the screen. Yeah, we believe it or not. Add that All right. in after the fact. <laughs> Wow. Some, this corgi beast. That describes what you were talking about. Is from uh, Jody. With yep. giant claws coming out of a volcano yep. somehow. Wow. That is yep. majestic. And then uh, Rob drew that. Now, that's got a different feel to it than the <laughs> other one. Not quite as majestic. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. He's got the cargo shorts. Look like Goofy. <laughs> kind of does. It's got a goofy, goofy-like head. <laughs> well, he's, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's a beaver, so you got to get those teeth in there. But he's got the 2,000, he's got the cargo shorts, and he's got the hair. The hair is he, on point. The hair is absolutely on point. So I thought that was quite, quite entertaining. <laughs> That's pretty good. So it, a week where we got two wow. quite humorous uh, wow. pieces of I'm, artwork there. Got to say, I've never seen myself depicted in beaver form before. <laughs> That's a new one for me. Having so, an existential crisis I'm just, over I'm here. I'm just taking it in, man. I'll just take it in. I'm like, you couldn't have told me 10 years ago, yeah, Brian, you're going to see yourself in beaver form one day. Holding a giant Lamy 2000. Holding a giant Lamy 2000. I'd be like, okay, I'll take your word for it. This sounds made up. So that was that was a delightfully special bit of feedback in, awesome. in, in visual form there. Um, and then I got a bit of feedback from uh, Nurula C... Ikinimi. Oh my God. I don't even know. Nailed it. I'll have to process that one later. Um, Made the mistake of eating while watching this. Uh, Five minutes into the pencast, I had to pick up grains of rice from my desk and keyboard (laughs) after almost choking from laughter. Next time, there shall be no food and drinks during the viewing. It's a health hazard. So uh, this person is... Except for me. Apparently, I can finish my sandwich as we start recording. Hey, well... (laughs) You got, you got to do you what you got to do. You got to do sometimes. Um, this is not the first time I've been told that uh, food has expelled from one's face while watching the pen cast. In fact, I believe I got a bit of feedback recently where they um, caused some significant startling to their cat. Uh, oh. So I apologize to uh, Mr. Kitty. Uh, I don't mean to alarm him. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we really try not to be amusing in any way. Mm. We make a concerted effort to take this seriously, to not make any jokes. So honestly, I don't know how it happens. You know, we can't be held accountable for whatever no, happens. On it's the com- it's a complete accident. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know, we're just uh, we're we're pretty bad at being serious. Apparently, we try. That My we goodness, are, actually, uh, yeah. And then finally, I just wanted to ask if you had any suggestions for another pen battle, a debate between which pen is better than which pen. Uh, We've got a lot of feedback saying they want us to do another pen battle. We did the Mm. Sailor 1911 versus the Custom 74, and then we did the Sprit Buffman versus the Perkoff. And I don't remember which one that was, but we'd like to do another one. We're ready. We're always willing to... We were just talking today about how he and I can literally talk about anything for a prolonged period of time, Yeah. case in point. So if you have any suggestions, feed them back to us in the section. And um, also, I've received feedback. Where do I add a question for the pencast? Oh, um, 
and it's on Instagram. Every, uh, you know, every couple of weeks I'll put up an Instagram question. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned today that, well, we have such a huge YouTube following. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on the YouTube community section of this page because I'm mm-hmm. going to ask for questions here next time. Mm-hmm. So check back on YouTube. I'm going to ask questions for from these people right there. Nice. I would say also you can always drop a question in the comments too. Always. Like if we see it there. But if you want like a pointed place to drop like a high concentration of questions that are being gathered. Yes. Um, yeah, those postings on community, Instagram, that's where we'll Just follow us everywhere. On. You'll see it eventually. You can also email us at pencast at gulepens.com. That you can. That is another option. So many options. Or you can just email our team at info and just tell them about your nonsense and send them pictures of yourself on we a horse. We actually have a new team member too over at info at, at info at gouletpens.com. Yeah. Our new team member Kay is now answering questions along with Adrian and Jessica and Brian. So um, if you see her, tell her hi. And, and Ethan too. And Ethan, yes, Ethan. Can't forget Ethan. Yeah. So tell her thanks for joining the team. So she's yeah. great. You'll love her. I don't think we have her up on the website yet, but we'll get her up there soon. That's right. So you can check her out. Um, all right. I have some feedback from MyKittyMoo23. That's easier to say than mine. Yep. Phew. I found the pen cast in February. Very quickly realized that were inside jokes that I was curious about and then started back at episode one. It's been a month and I finally caught up. A month? That's a lot of listening in a month. Wow. Um, I okay. would, if I listened to myself for a month, I would hate myself so much. I don't know what to think Oof. of this. Um, I'm sorry. I so guess. she said, listened at 1.75 speed during my commute and work activities that don't require the part of my brain entertained by y'all. It's like I've found kindred spirits to keep me company during the boring bits of my day, not just with the serial obsessions, but with all the neurodivergent quirkiness. I, too, make large spreadsheets for everything, especially if the thing is nowhere near important enough to merit a spreadsheet. Ah. Uh, that's, all, that's, like, a, like, that's more me than Drew on Like that tool one. maintenance. No, no, mine's just Tool chaos. maintenance and, uh, yeah, banana farming and <laughs> balloons TD6. <laughs> yep. Uh, thank you for giving us all a glimpse into your worlds for the turkey hammock shenanigans and for understanding that sometimes something as simple as a fountain pen can be a bright beacon in the dark. What a comment. I love that. Very, very reaffirming. That is delightful. I'm glad. I feel seen. Yeah. She's giving us permission (laughs) to just be our quirky selves. (laughs) For better or for worse. Yay. I was going to say, if you put that on 0.75 instead of 1.75, then we'll sound drunk, which can be also a good form of entertainment. Yes, but not quite (laughs) enough if you want to speed through all 81, 82 episodes in a month. You don't need to slow it down and make it drag out even longer. That's that's intense. Just every now and then. (laughs) I haven't actually done that in a while. I should do that. That was quite entertaining. Pretty fun. I do it all the times because I'll sometimes wear my watch. I've got an Apple watch, which connects to my phone, and I'll be doing yard work. And I'll be wearing like gloves and sweating and stuff. And it's just like randomly changing the volume and switching tracks and changing the speed as I'm trying to listen to things. Oh, my God. Yeah, because like the glove, especially when it, I'm sweating and it's wet, right. it like will make contact as if it's like my finger. And so it's constantly the like glove can changing do that? stuff around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it had to be like skin. No, it just has it like has to like transfer like electrical energy or whatever the heck. Because oh. you can have a stylus, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're a stylus right. tip. It's got to be like electrostatic or whatever. Oh yeah. And apparently, like and a, glove, le- a sweaty le- glove can do that. Sweaty leather gloves are apparently electrostatic. <laughs> well, I mean, leather is flesh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So anyway, TMI, but that's what happened. So <laughs> that's feedback. <laughs> Let's talk about some new stuff. <laughs> okay. 
Cross off your bingo cards. Brian talked about sweating too much. Uh, <laughs> all right, new stuff. Um, well, this never happens, but we have a new sailor. Hey! It's uh, either that or Ferris wheel press, just like right? flipping a coin. Um, I'm hitting all that points. I got a sailor, and then I got a lot of me 2000s to talk about, too. Um, sailor, 1911, the pen of the year, also known as the potty, as we shorthand call it around P-O-T-Y, here. pen of the year. That's right. Uh, this is Golden Olive. This was a surprise for Brian because I went on my business trip and then came back, and this pen was... Like, here! I was like, I didn't know this existed, and now it's here. Um, Pretty cool. So we got the 1911S, the smaller one, and the 1911L, the mid-sized one. So we got both of those, 312 and 440, respectively. What do you think about this pen, Drew? You like this color? I do. I do. I like the gold trim. I like the green. Yeah. Makes me happy. I like green and gold. It's a good combo. I'm a fan. It looks really nice as a combo. It's not like, it's not my go-to color. Green and brown with gold. Yeah, mm. you would be into that. It's nice and earthy. It is makes earthy. you think of trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it it connects you with nature. Yeah. All the gold in those trees, you know. Gold is a <laughs> maybe not shiny gold, and gold comes from the earth. Gold is natural. It's a yeah. it's a natural material. Yeah, you know, if you happen to be prospecting in the creek near the trees, absolutely, which you can get some gold in gonna, there with which the dirt. I'm going to do once I get myself a uh, golden olive potty. The, Sounds really weird. I didn't, wasn't expecting you to say potty, but mm-hmm. there you go. Um, we also have some non-fountain pen things. That doesn't make any sense. That we started carrying. You also said 2000 in the new stuff section. I that did. can't be right because they don't well, come out with new. new. to us. New to us. What? These are not new at all. Explain yourself, man. Yeah, man. So we've carried the Lamy 2000 fountain pen for a while. Aye. We may have talked about it a time or two on this pencast. I don't think so. Um. But basically, we've had our eye on the rollerball for a while. And to me, it's like, for the times when you have to use a non-fountain pen, if you're going to do that, this is a great pen to use. Um, We basically only carry the Retro 51 rollerball pen. That's like the only rollerball, really, that we have. There's Yooker's, which is kind of like... A hybrid weird thing. Not a rollerball. Not a rollerball, but this is like pretty much it. We carried other rollerballs in the past, and it was like, we do get asked about them from time to time, and we do talk about the Lama 2000 a lot. And the build quality of this is every bit as good as the fountain pen. Superb. And um, it was just like, you know what? Let's try it. So we've got it. It's also much more affordable than the fountain pen version. It's a little so, over 100. Yeah, 103. Yeah. 20. Very specific number, 103.20, but... It's basically identical to the fountain pen in its overall shape and balance and stuff like that. It opens it up from ball. the back, not from the grip section. Well, you can unscrew the grip to get the dog ears off of there, but okay. you, there's no need to do that ever. Um, but yeah, it unscrews on the back just like the piston, except that's how you get the refill out of there. And it is a Lamy, it's the M63 refill. It's pretty high capacity and it does write really nice. Yeah, it's huge. Um, so yeah, it's really good. I just don't know how like standard of a refill that's going to be to find it like your everyday office supply store. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're carrying the refills just so that you can pick them up. In so one you don't have you to go to your office supply um, store. Yeah. And the cap is basically identical, except it does have like a dimple. I just noticed that when top. you were holding it. Mm-hmm. It's got a dimple in the top. That way, if you have both the fountain pen and the roller ball, you can tell by looking at the cap. Does the... Which one is which? Does the pencil have a Well, the pencil dimple? looks different. Oh, there's no cap. There's no cap. Oh, okay. So the pencil's got a little clicker mechanism, mm-hmm. which has your eraser, hey. which is like... 
a teeny tiny little nubbin hint of an eraser. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. I never make mistakes, so I don't really need that personally. Har, har. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, fountain pen, you just scratch it out or whatever and move on. So burn it. Um, but the pencil has, there's two versions. There's the 0.5 millimeter and the 0.7. So it has a five or a seven in the top. So you can tell. So I guess if you use multiple pencils, you can tell which lead version it is. So that's kind of handy. Or if you just need to remember but, what lead it takes. Yeah, that too. So that is pretty handy. Overall shape on this one is sort of like if you don't have the cap because there's no cap. So you do have the clip at the back, which is fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit lighter than the pen version. A little thinner but, too, right? Um, a little bit, a little bit. Not crazy though. Mm, I don't know. I'd need to measure it. It's definitely probably, thinner, it's de- definitely thinner. thinner than the fountain pen. The grip of it feels a little thinner, yeah. Um, but the mechanism is really nice and yeah. A and that one's only like 50 bucks, right? 55, 20. 55. Which I don't, I don't know. Is that a lot for a pencil? I think probably, but... It's not a lot not for, for a 2000. Nice, not for a nice pencil. For me, like the only, you know, context I've ever had was the fountain, was the fountain pen. pen. So these to so me it seems seem like a bargain. really cheap. Yeah. But I mean, there's other good pencils you can get for way cheaper probably, but it's a Lamy 2000 pencil. So... There we go. Um, anyway, you can check that out. It's pretty cool too. I've already taken the mechanism apart like many times. That doesn't sound like Because you at can all. unscrew it like that and then you can just... Technically, if you can just write with it like that if you want to. If you want like a skeleton pencil... But that's weird. You shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you do that. But anyway, so kind of neat. I don't know. If you're into the Lamy 2000, you like the vibe and you want some other formats of writing, we have them. We are going to try them. And we won't be shocked if everybody's like, no, sacrilege. You can only fountain carry pens fountain only. pens. We refuse to buy this. And then we'll be like, well, we tried again. And then we'll drop them and then we'll carry only fountain pens. We'll try again in another 10 years. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then the last thing that I have is the Delta Dolce Vita. Yeah, Delta. Yeah. Delta. What? That's right. Now we carried the Delta 39 plus one last year, which was like a little a little teaser, a little like and hey, it was Delta's coming back. Not exactly the most attainable of prices. Well, it was a it was like it was a, a limited edition, higher end, over a thousand dollar for that thing. Yeah. So we had an opportunity with Delta to say, hey, what if we did something exclusive? Something small batch, small batch pen. But this really feels like old Delta. It's literally the Dolce Vita. So it's not the biggest version, not the oversized version, but the step down from that. So mm-hmm. it's still a chunky pen. It is. Very large, but it's not like obscenely large. Um, anyway, and uh, we decided to do it with a steel nib to make it even more attainable. So we have it for $236. So these are with Yovo steel nibs. They write well. The pen is big, but it's not super duper heavy, which I've always loved about the Dolce Vita is they're larger, like girthier pens, but not super duper heavy. So they're pretty comfortable to write with for a long period of time. And the blue is the same blue. If you remember years ago, we had the Fusion 82 mm-hmm. pen. There with was that crazy blue. nib that had like gold and steel yes. stuck together. So it's not that nib. Right. But it's the material that was in the blue of that, which I was always a fan of. It's these really like tight swirls in yeah. there. It looks really cool. Reminds me of like a bowling ball or something like that. Yeah, a little bit, a yeah. little bit. Um, so anyway, we have that and uh, it's going to be small batch. So I don't know how long we're going to have it, but. And this yeah. is this is back at the original Delta factory. Yeah, Delta using, is. Using being... the original Delta machines. Mm-hmm. So yep. this isn't just a re- imagining of a brand like this is yep. delta at its core the yep. old factory the old machines the old materials mm-hmm. yeah everything like it's 100 back just yeah. with the just with the ovo nib which yep. i find 
very appealing. Yeah, I think it might have been Bach before they did their names. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. No, this is great. This was years ago. But um, yeah, so Delta's back. And I am I would suspect we're going to start to see a lot more stuff coming out from Delta this year. Yeah. But we had the chance to pick up a small batch of these right off the bat. And we were like, it's blue. Okay. At least that's that was my that was my take on it. Yes. <laughs> All Ooh. right. All right, what you got, Drew? Additionally, there's a new SD <clears throat> in town. Esterbrook has released the Botanical Gardens SD, which is a beautiful flecked acrylic mm. and uh, a lot of really rich colors packed into this um, material, Brian. A lot of fun colors that you might not think work together, but then you see it on this material, and it really is quite alluring mm-hmm. so um, that is available at 175 dollars and 50 cents in a variety of nibs it's quite lovely we're doing some custom nibs on there as well yeah I think that's one of the more notable things so yeah this is like esther brooke has been working with basically custom nib meisters who have like their own grinds that are they're kind of known for uh, and I think there's what four different grinds yeah, I, by I, four different. Nib I haven't masters? experienced any of these firsthand, so I wasn't uh, going to get like super into that. But oh, if you would like to be my guest, I had done them in the Nib Nook, so I've written with them. I have not spent like hours and hours with each of them, but I'm fairly familiar with most of the grinds. Um, I didn't pull my notes for this, so let me pull it up real quick, just because I don't want to say the wrong. Nibmeister and which grind they're doing. Um, what's the model pin real quick? Hang on. SD Botanical Gardens. Yeah. Okay. So give me one second here and I'll pull that up. Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. So we have four different grinds. Um, we have the Journaler Nib, which is by Gina Salarino, who we have done custom grinds with before. So that I'm the most familiar with. It's essentially like a cursive stub. So it's like a sharper than a stub. Um, but it's got that italic, you know, so it writes thin on the cross stroke, thicker on the downstroke. Um, but it's a medium nib ground to a stub. So um, that one's a really nice, just like all around everyday use pen with a little bit of flair to it. I'm a big fan of that one. We have the scribe nib, which is by Josh Lax. And this is a modified architect nib. So it's going to have thinner downstrokes and thicker cross strokes so sort of like the opposite of a journaler nib it's very interesting to achieve that the grind looks completely different but it's pretty cool so that i think i think the are any architect style grind i think looks really great when you're writing in block print i think that's where it really shines the most personally and then we have the needlepoint nib which is by kirk spear and this is just a super fine point which is great for small writing like i know you're into this one drew um, especially if you're writing in, you know, this is really popular, like with Japanese nibs. Um, so anything that where you like to write really small. And then we have the, oh boy, how do you pronounce this one, Drew? By CYs from Techo. Tokyo. Techo. Okay. I keep wanting to say Techo, and I'm like, that just sounds weird. Um, but Techo by CY of Tokyo Station Pens, who has been on this pencast before. Um, so this has different line variation depending on the pen's angle. Um, so thicker lines at a lower angle, thinner lines at a higher angle. So sort of a variable writing experience. Um, we've seen some nibs like this before, not unlike the sailor, their zoom nib is kind of like that. Um, Aurora had a nib like that. I can't remember what they called it, but they had like sort of a variable width one. Um, it's very difficult to achieve this grind. Um, but it's pretty interesting writing experience. You won't necessarily notice the writing variation. Like I did the nib nook samples of all these. One's like the Techo nib is really tough because 
you know, unless I'm purposely changing my, my like hand angle to an unnatural degree, you won't see the full variation of this thing in that style of writing sample. So I don't know. We'll just yeah, have when to you, see When more. you did the zoom nib, uh, nib nooks, like how do you decide what angle to hold it at? I kind of just, you know, you just pick a keep, common one, like 40, pick, 45, pick an angle. And then like, as I'm doing some more like the X's and the swirls and stuff, I try to go a little more dramatic. Oh, okay. But it's it's really difficult, yeah. especially because I'm actually not working in. Because then when you when you see the actual nib nook, you're like, well, what angle was he holding? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. You, you don't, don't really know. know. I, don't, I can yeah. I can only convey but so much in that in that uh, writing sample. But anyway, so if you if you look up those nibs, journal or scribe, needlepoint, techo, you know, I don't know if there's some hashtags on Instagram that have those, or if you can just follow them on any of their channels. I'm sure you can see like more detailed stuff. We might try to put out some more, but you know, again, we are only going to have like a handful of these nibs. Yeah, it's pretty limited. You know, they are limited in their ability to produce them. So these are through Esterbrook or Carrion, but other retailers will have these nibs as well. But it's just, you know, it's handwork and it takes a while to do. So that that was part of the reason why we wanted to carry these though, was to highlight the work of these nibmeisters and uh, show you some of the cool stuff that Esterbrook's trying to do. So anyway, I took over your topic. No, 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 that was good information. Back I didn't, and I hadn't yet Yeah, I didn't realize you, you hadn't, so. you hadn't uh, gotten a right with them. No, yet. no, no. I, I have them all on my desk, so I'll, I'll let you. That would be cool. I thought Thank you. you. I thought you'd gotten a hold of them. Not yet. I gave them to customer care to play with them afterwards, and I guess they didn't get to you before they gave them back to me. So Not yet. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, And then Montegrappa has a new pen available, and that Mm. is the uh, Explorers Wild, Montegrappa Explorers Wild Fountain Pen in Arctic. So... This is a collaboration with a uh, some sort of an organization called Project Wild. I don't know a ton of details about them, mm-hmm. but um, it is a collaborative effort. And um, this one is a uh, you know multiple blue style pen using mm-hmm. their poured resin that they call Montegrappite. Yeah, and, I was gonna uh, say we've seen these blues or something similar to them before. When... Yeah, there was like the Samba pen in green, and we've had mm-hmm. a couple. Um, uh, pens like the the light blue is a little reminiscent of one of our exclusive Elmos that yeah, we that used to have. Yeah, this was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, that... they have a large uh, steel clip on there in the shape of a feather, inspired by these snowy owls. So that is a cool it's a, clip. It's a pretty fascinating pen. Hmm. It's a larger pen, and uh, it does post, but it is pretty unruly when you do post it. But it's got a gold nib. It's really comfortable in the hand. Something uh, new from them is always fun. So mm-hmm. you check that out. There will probably be more. Um, that uh, kind of convey different uh, environmental zones, perhaps. This one is the Arctic, so blue on blue. Can't go wrong with that, right, Brian? Darn tootin'. Yay! And then finally, the Pilot Custom 743 is available stateside. This pen has been available overseas for years and years and years, and uh, the U.S. market has not had the opportunity to import it until now. So the Custom 743 is essentially the same body as the Pilot Custom 823, which is quite well known around here. Uh, However, it is a cartridge converter pen rather than a vacuum filler. So you'll get the same size nib, the same physical profile and hand feel of the pen, but with a cartridge converter pen and more nibs. This pen uh, is available in the extra fine, fine, medium broad, as well as a double broad and an FA nib, the Falcon nib, which I'm a huge fan of in the Custom 912. So I'm very eager to get my hands on this version. As of yet, I haven't used these. I know you're um, in... I got a stack of them you're on my cur- desk. You're currently using them right now. I'll make sure you get a chance to I'm use them. I'm very curious, very curious. So yeah. um, this I mean, is... Uh, the regular nibs I would anticipate are going to 
write the same as the A23. Yeah. Because it's the same size nib and all that kind of stuff. But the Falcon will be interesting. Yeah, it will be a larger nib than what's on the 912. So I'm very curious about that. Is it? Yeah, because the 912, I always have to double check because... I think I pilot, remember. Pilot, I don't. I don't memorize pilot nib sizes. There, there are too. There are too many of them. I just don't know. And then half the time I've gotten them wrong, so I just gave up. We actually don't say in our product description what size it is. That's because no one. It, it, it's such a, you know, yeah. number ten nib. So this is slightly smaller. So this is the same. This is slightly bigger than what you get on the custom seventy four. But not as big okay, as the so, custom eight twenty three. Custom eight twenty three is the fifteen. I'm ninety nine percent oh, sure. Oh, oh, okay. I think. Oh, so this one, that's me, the that's the same size as the 912 then. Let me double check. The 912 is a number 10. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what you just said. Hang on. I, I need to, I'm trying to look. Okay. The custom 823 has the number 15 size pilot nib. Okay. The nine, this is a different numbering system than what's on like yeah. Robo and all that kind of it's, stuff. Pilot has their own thing. So, so it's the same, it's the same nib as the 912. The 912 has a number 10 size That's nib. what you just saw. That's what you just said. That's because I was looking at the custom uh, the 912. 912. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the 823. This one, the 743 has a number okay. 15. So it is going to be larger than the 912. So I'll be curious yes. to see what that FA. Sorry, we were saying the same thing. Yes. Cool. Yep. So that is available this week and we're super excited about it. And Brian will nib nook them. So you can check out our nib nook comparison mm-hmm. tool under the resources tab of the website. Mm-hmm. Check out all of Brian's handiwork. Yes. Literally. My handiwork. All right. It's amazing. If you told me like what, how many, 12, 13 years ago, you're like, you're going to do this nibnook tool. And yeah, at some point you'll be so busy. It'll be difficult for you to do with them all. I believe at the time I was like, that'd be a great problem to have. And now I'm like, dang on it, Brian. Yeah. Have you done the <laughs> nibnook yet? We're waiting to launch. But whatever. It's been consistent. Yeah. It has given me a good excuse to write with literally every single nib that we've ever carried in this That's true. store. So That's true. that is kind of cool to be able to say that. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. It's a lot right? of pens. I know. You ready for some speaking, A and some Q? Speaking of a big deal, we got some Q&A. Shall we? We shall. All right. Okay. Our buddy, the Torpedo Monkey, is back again this week right. um, with a great question. And here comes one. that prognostication you prognosticated earlier That's in the right. pencast. I alluded to prognostication. There we go. And uh, Mr. Monkey says, what <laughs> pens available today? do you think will be considered future vintage classics? That's a good question. Now, available today, do you think uh, Mr. Monkey's saying like that aren't already vintage classics? Because I mean, some vintage classics are still available, like the 2000. Well, this this opens up a little bit of discussion. Mm, So I wanted to kind of lay some groundwork here. All right. um, Because I had my own questions. So what better way than to start off by answering a question with a question? Doesn't seem like Um, you at all. What immediately went through my head was what actually determines a classic? Is it like how long that it was available? Is it how many... We're sold, like it's general popularity. I think popularity. that we've actually answered this question in another pen cast. Like what makes a pen a classic? Doesn't that sound probably. familiar? Yeah, probably. Do I remember? No, I any don't. Any of the discussion we had? I have no idea. Had? Nope. I have no idea. I did prompt a little bit of AI to help me out with this. Oh my God. I thought, what better opportunity than ask ChatGPT? What? So I asked, you know, basically what, uh, what did I ask it? What is, nope, different question. Sorry. What qualifies something as vintage or classic? Okay. So that's all I gave it. And I had a pretty thoughtful answer that I'm actually going to kind of roll with. 
Um, so the terms vintage and classic are often used to describe items, particularly those related to fashion, cars, furniture, and other collectibles. I think fountain pens would fall into other collectibles uh, that have aged and are not and are considered valuable or desirable due to their design, uh, craftsmanship, or historical significance. Definitions these terms can vary. Blah 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 blah. Okay, so it breaks it down. Vintage, a vintage item is typically one that was produced during a specific time period, often between twenty and hundred years old. The item must represent the style or design of the era in which it was made and often carries a nostalgic or historical appeal. Vintage items can include clothing, accessories, cars, blah, blah, blah. Okay, classic. A classic item is one that has a timeless appeal, transcending its original era and remaining relevant, admired, or appreciated over time. Mm. Classic items often embody a high level of quality, craftsmanship, or design, and can include works of art, literature, cars, blah, blah, blah. While a classic item may be old, its age is not the sole determining factor of its classification as a classic. And Torpedo Monkey says vintage classics. So, so we're doing... that's sort of both. So <laughs> I think we can just pretty much take this in whatever direction we All want right. to. So this is where I'm like, it's really, I've really been thinking about this because when I think of vintage fountain pens, it's very easy to go thinking of like specific era, specific time period, what was popular, especially because... There's a pretty distinct time period where fountain pens had their heyday. Sure. And then they transitioned once the ballpoint took over, they transitioned to much more of a collectible type of item a and not a everyday zone. sort of commodity item. So I really think it's important to make a distinction between the vintage pens of the era that were, you know, you would see advertisements in magazines for fountain pens right. that were marketed towards the everyday person or the working professional because these were commodity items that everybody used. Mm -hmm. Just like you would see smartphones and whatever advertised today. That makes sense. Yeah. But these days, or honestly for decades now, that has not been the case. So I really don't think if you're talking about what makes something vintage in that classic period, it's very different than what makes something vintage now. Like, I think now what would consider vintage would be different. Does that make sense? Nope. You lost me. Okay. Let's just say. I of, think I lost myself. Of, but. The, of the pens, <laughs> of the pens that came out, I think you're on, you're on the right track. What, yeah. do, what do you say? Like, how, what, what defines this era of fountain pens? How about we just say post-commoditization? Sure. You know, like just say okay. when, when fountain pens were made for hobbyists rather than just well okay so let's break it down into oh boy. we don't have to get and i didn't go like deep on my notes on this i really am kind of riffing a bit really but i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> jerk <laughs> this is only first question drew it's gonna be your turn soon um you get the you get the you get the best flex nibs question oh, so okay. i'm gonna get hey, to I'm grill you on that i'm one. gonna blow through that one you try <laughs> yeah. you try to derail, derail no 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 okay so so if we think about vintage in terms of like it has to be like recognizable definable to its era i think you have like the parker 51 and the schaefer you know um snorkel and like ones like that that are very classic the to that era. era specific yeah. yeah and then you have like Fountain pen, and the, I, the biggest gap of knowledge of fountain pens I have is like 60s to the 90s, probably oh, in yeah. like 2000s. Like, there's a lot that happened that I'm just I have like, no not idea super what happened on. in the like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. There was a lot of like fountain pens were like falling out well, of favor. That was and, when they made that transition, right? Yeah, from, it was an from, awkward from a transition yeah. into a hobby. Yeah. But then, you know, I would say now, like the era of like the internet and social media and 
honestly, fountain pens as like a community driven niche interest. Not that that wasn't there before the internet, but I think I would consider that to be a pretty clear cutoff of that era. So you have like the post commoditized era in like maybe the 60s, 50s, 60s, when the ballpoint started to take over. Sure. You had a lot of pens that were people were still using them, but they were starting to not be taught in schools as much anymore and so on. So there was like a declining period, mm-hmm. you know, that was happening, sort of like the Great Depression era of right, pens right, yeah. from like the 60s to, I don't know, 90s, 2000s, whatever. And then there like some limited editions and stuff started to come out and be sort of like a status symbol type of thing with like Mont Blanc and some of these other brands, mm-hmm. you know, where it was like sort of an icon piece, but people weren't maybe using them as enthusiastically as an everyday writing tool. But then like with the rise of social media and we cap, we caught on that wave where it's like people connecting with each other, teaching each other and just a very grassroots enthusiast driven. I would consider this to be like the start of the next era. Cool. Well, let's start with you that. So, so maybe, like this maybe 20 just year with, period and then moving forward. Maybe just stick with pens that we've sold in our company's history. Okay. Like pens from like 2000s on. Sure. sure. Go, go with that. So which, which of those would you think that, you know, you know, 50, 60 years from now yeah. will be considered classics or vintage yeah desirable in some way yeah honestly so i had some that i i think are already classics even before i looked up that definition i had some that i already considered classics which actually fits in the definition of like transcends time here we go so i'll maybe i'll come back to that and i'll think about well no let me start with that because i think that's easier for me to in my own brain like ease into it like ones that are still popular now that in the future, I think we will absolutely, even in the present, I think we can say this pen is a classic, but in the future for sure will be the case. Like Lamy 2000. Definitely. It's already transcended five decades. Right. Um, for that matter, a number of Lamy pens, the Safari, the All-Star, you know, Studio, all these things have been around for decades already mm-hmm. and definitely stand as like an iconic, you know, thing. Um, I think Pilot has a number of these pens, like the Vanishing Point for sure. Definitely. Been around decades already. Um, the Pilot Falcon, I think, stands alone. Yeah. Very unique nib. Um, already was well known and kind of classic, iconic when we got into this business and has stayed popular. You're right. You know, um, Custom 823. I don't know how long that one's been around. I feel like that has risen a lot in popularity in the last 10 years. Um, pretty much any Namiki pen, they have barely changed any techniques of how they've done anything mm-hmm. in decades. But that... I mean, it's like probably the purest definition of a classic fountain pen is these like artistic, they don't change the models really ever. And, you know, super old techniques that go back to like the seventh century for this Machier work. Um, I would say a number of the sailor pens in 1911, the pro gears, they've been around for a long time too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's probably a number of pens that fit in this category. I'm not making a totally exhaustive list here, but anything in that vein, I think works. Some of the ones that I think are contenders for like the newer ones. Yeah. You know, I don't know if these would necessarily, you know, I didn't necessarily have this context of what I just described in mind when I made this list. So I figure we can just kind of talk about it. But um, the Pilot E95S, it's a newer pen, but it design wise, Mm -hmm. it kind of harkens back to more of a vintage feel. Yeah. There have been a couple of pens like that. You know, Pilot's done like, you know, the... um, the M90, the Mu, and the Murex, and yeah, Platinum used yeah. that design for. I, there's a name for that design. I can't recall what it is. Yeah, but it's like not a inlay, new design. Inlaid nib, integrated nib, something like that. It does. It is kind of iconic. Yeah. I don't know if it necessarily. You would look at the E95s 50 years from now and say, "Oh, that's definitely a pen that came out in like 2020." You know, era. It's definitely timeless. But I, I think it's it's a great pen. It's very popular. And I wonder. I, I don't know how long those earlier like um, that the earlier styles of that pen 
have lasted. Like, because I've seen platinum pens that have that same style. We've seen earlier. Well, I think they pilots. go back a ways. Right. But I'm, I think I'm they go back a ways. I'm like, wondering, like, which which one of those was sold for the longest period of time? That's a good question. And I, I wonder. I wonder. Plat platinum had some pens like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pilot definitely did. So I'm wondering, like, will the E95s at some point? surpass mm. the actual sales availability period of those previous ones. Oh, that's a great question. I because mean, that, I, that I think, know. would make it a contender for sure. If, okay. if the E95S was the one in that style that ended up being the longest running, um, that says something. And see, this is where it gets to be an interesting debate because the E95S, the E95S sort of stands alone a little bit these days in terms of that style. Mm. You know, like it looks really unique, and but it kind of harkens back to a design that oh. was happening in like the 60s. Absolutely. Uh, with, you know, specifically the Japanese brands. I don't know how popular they were back then. And I know they made some in the 90s too. In that, in that kind yeah, of weird yeah, period. The, the, yeah, the M90 was in the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it was a super popular pen. So I wouldn't, and, and I don't think it like defines that era either. So I don't even know if it would necessarily be considered a vintage to this era. Maybe the E95S has a has a more of a contention for being like a classic design. I, I think so. I so think, maybe I it's more classic than a vintage. Okay. Um I have the you could pick pretty much any Twiz B pen, but like the 580, the Eco, those have been around for a decade mm -hmm. and have remained fairly iconic. I think it is there's no signs that pretty, they're slowing down. Yeah, I think you could look at those pens, like the clear demonstrator, affordable piston, like that kind of a thing. That does kind of mark our newer era of enthusiast-driven fountain Yeah, pens. you know, thinking of a demonstrator vintage, like it just seems like well, demonstrator, so, like the desire for demonstrator pens, clear pens, I mean, not not literal demonstrators, but is yeah. kind of a new appeal. Well, um, well, so a little bit of pen history here. The reason they're called demonstrators right. is because brands like Parker and Pelican and stuff like that, they used to actually make clear bodied pens of their existing things. They did not sell them. They were for their traveling sales reps that that's what that's how business was done in those days, you know, and uh, thinking like probably 40 years ago or so, maybe longer, um, they would travel around and have these pens and they would have markings on the clear thing that pointed out all the different parts. And it was for the traveling sales reps to educate the, you know, in store salespeople about how their pens function. So that was, it was literally was for demonstration purposes. It wasn't for the enthusiast to be able to see the ink inside the pen and all that kind of stuff. That I think is like a newer phenomenon that right. I would say like historically in the future, we will mark and be like, oh yeah, that was like the thing. Everybody wanted to see the ink inside their pens and see how the pens work. That's, that's this era right here. Yeah, which is, it's just crazy because, you know, if Twisby one day does become a classic and it being demonstrator will be 100%. Well, I guess that would be more vintage because it's very indicative of the time. It's indicative of the era. Yeah. Yeah. Will it be a classic? I don't know. It depends how long it sticks around, right? Um, let's see here. What else did I have? I had the Visconti Homo Sapiens. I think so. Yeah. I think that, you know, especially like uniqueness of materials, mm -hmm. you know, there was like in the early, you know, probably a hundred years ago or so, there was a boom of things like Bakelite and uh, celluloid and casein and other things like that, that were like new materials for the time mm -hmm. that became known as vintage to that era. I think you could look at the Homo sapiens lava pen and be like, that is iconic to this era for that yeah. pen. And it still hasn't been copied. And not, that, that, that kind of blows really. my mind. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that's the, that's arguably the big appeal of this pen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lava pen. It's a lot of it. Yeah. And, you know, despite the success, you know, it's been Visconti's top selling pen for over 10 years now. And, yeah. uh, no one has figured out how to 
copy the lava pen. Yeah, that's true. So I think so. If it if it iconic. remains, yeah, if it remains, I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's it, already been around for over a decade. Yeah, around a decade. So it's 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 getting there. That's pretty. It's that's a there. pretty big deal. Like to be you know so iconic for so long and not have anybody come and try to push you off the mountain. Yeah, or the volcano. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one I wasn't so sure. The Pilot Metropolitan or the MR, as it's known elsewhere in the world. Hmm. I, I I debate this one. It's a super popular pen. Like so many people have this pen. Mm-hmm. There's nothing so distinct about it. Like it is sort of a generically corporate-y sort of a pen. You know, metal pen, plastic grip, but very it's, affordable it's, it's, snap uh, cap. You know, but proliferation. Yeah, like. and and I and I would almost consider it to be more classic just because of how many like how many people were newly introduced to fountain pens that yeah. this was one of their intro pens. That's true. So a lot of people got their hands on this one. Yeah. I wouldn't even necessarily say that it's the design. No, there's not a whole lot going on design particularly wise. unique, but you could argue, you could argue that for a lot of pens, you know, there's a lot of pens that are not that different than other pens, but they're iconic because of the influence they had. Mm-hmm. And this one I think would maybe be a contender. A for lot me. of people got their start with the uh, metropolitan, right? Um, plat- this is going to sound even sillier, the Platinum Preppy, kind of for some of the same reason. Like, I don't even know how many Preppies are out there in the world, but it's got to be a sh- just ton of them because yeah. they're so inexpensive. And they've been, I mean, they were already known as one of the go-to fountain pens when we first, like before we even mm-hmm. sold a fountain pen at Gulli Pen Company. And like, you can see like the the video of me eyedroppering a Platinum Preppy pen is over a decade old. It's terrible quality, I but it's if- like, that's what it was. It was known at that time for that purpose. I wonder if maybe because so many people will probably have an easier time discarding these. Like if it if it got discontinued today, mm-hmm. you know, in twenty to forty years, do you think they might be more desirable because people mm-hmm. have more of a tendency to toss them aside, or okay, maybe so it, like maybe th- this they're is, harder this, to clean? You know, well, this is where finding get, a pristine one might be more rare. This is where we need to like nuance this question to say like, like I don't think preppies are going to be more valuable in the future like i don't i think you need to really decide if you want to answer this question with like are these like collectibles things that people are going to revere well in the description it mentioned you know being desirable because of you know either design or like desire is a factor in whether or not something becomes classic right um it doesn't say that specific to well it says uh remaining relevant admired or appreciated over time transcending its original all right so desire is not in there but yeah so it doesn't it you know it says a high level of quality craftsmanship or design and can include works of art blah 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 blah. i don't know if the preppy falls into that it's i don't know it's it's kind of an iconic i don't know what i don't know what you would classify really you know think about like the bic crystal i would say the bic crystal is an iconic pen because it commoditized the ballpoint Mm. pen and totally changed the game in that respect but nobody's like holding on to a big crystal from 1976 and being like, this is so valuable because they made billions (laughs) of them. Well, I guess you could, you could say the same thing about the preppy as you could the metropolitan. Like it was a lot of people's, you know, it's accessible. It's an easy way to get a hold of, you know, a pen that writes pretty well. Yeah. So I I think where I'm going with this is I'm, I'm thinking of it a little more in terms of the impact, the model of the pen had not, Mm -hmm a particular physical pen and its value and its collectability. Okay. So I'm going a little more like bigger impact of the model itself and how it's looked at in the pen community and the impact it has. Not so much like, is this thing going to be viewed as, you know, uh, particularly valuable as an, as an item. So the next one I had on the list, 
we already debated about a little bit. Noodler's pens of, of, of any form. Now, I don't, I'm not going to die on this hill. Classic. I don't really feel, to me, it falls under that like era sort of a thing because love them or not, and many people do not love Noodler's pens, they commoditized flex nib writing. Like before Noodler's pens came around, the only way to write with anything flex was either to use a dip pen mm -hmm. with spring steel, which is just a terrible writing experience in my opinion, from a usability standpoint. Performance-wise, they were great. But anyway, that's not the point. You had the Namiki Falcon. Right. Before it was the Pilot Falcon. It was the Namiki Falcon. And then you had vintage pens. The Namiki Falcon did get a flex nib on a fountain pen, though. But it technically was a soft nib. It wasn't even really a flex nib. But is the but you is could, Noodler's you could get better some, than the yeah, yeah. Namiki? You get, you get a wider... Yeah, better is subjective, but you absolutely get a more variable line with on a Noodler's so pen. so much harder, though. Yeah, you do, but you 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 know you get a better line with variation on a Noodler's pen than you do on a Falcon. There's no question about that. Without modification, there's I would yeah. go to task on anybody with that. Uh, but yes, in terms of like overall niceness of a pen and you know niceness of pen smell, there's no doubt that <laughs> Noodler's comes into question. But you could still get. I, a, could, I could make an argument you could for still, you it could being still impactful into the era. Impactful to the era, sure. But yeah. the Namiki Falcon started it. They were the first ones that got a nib that creates line variation on a modern fountain pen. I don't know if they started it. That was the first one that... The that first, yeah. The but first they did it before modern, did. The first modern pen that we were aware of that was known for having some line variation to it with pressure. Yeah. Aside from stubs or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just... It was Put a big it out there. No. Let it be a point of debate. No, no, no. no. It's, it's, it's I true. I totally like, can see both sides of the When, when the Noodler's Creeper came out at like $14, mm -hmm. it shook things up big time. Like okay. they were selling out immediately. Yeah. No one could keep them in stock. They were super accessible. And yeah. it did create, you know, a lot of interest in, you know, actually writing for fun, you yeah. know, using crazy line variation and stuff mm -hmm. like that. For and sure. there have been a number of and the accessibility steel, nib, is steel nib fountain pens that have come out as a result of the demand that Noodler's pens stirred up, whether it was even from a dissatisfaction that people had about whatever degree of many points, talking yeah. points of a Noodler's pen, other manufacturers absolutely came out with pens because of things that I personally could, you know, make an argument for Noodler's having gotten that interest in the community. So mm -hmm. anyway, um, but I have no personal dog in that fight. Uh, the last one that I had also was kind of like a question uh the pilot parallel yeah because it's it is a unique pen it like is. it stands alone and we're going to talk about that more and actually write with them later in this video if we have time um we'll make time <laughs> we're almost an hour in already oh my gosh okay well i'll move it along <laughs> but um very interesting pen and i think um the reason i might consider this one to be a classic is because this has been like the era of hand lettering yeah and like Instagram and the rise of like using fancy Indicative handwriting. Of the time. So, and the parallel, it, while it's not the only tool, it is certainly an iconic tool for hand lettering. Yeah. So that's where I could maybe make the case for this. Though, you know, transcending time, I don't know what era this thing <laughs> is, but you yeah. know, it was it was already known for being a very unique pen when we started carrying yeah, it I don't 13 think that, years ago. That design doesn't belong in any time period. It is timeless. Anyway, that's what I got for you. All right. All right. Well, I'm not going to add anything to that because that is just question number one today. <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. So, um, I keep asking Drew. I was like, "How do we go so long?" <laughs> I think we know it's me. <laughs> I'm the problem. All right.
I'm going to shut up. Let you talk about flex pens. Tell me oh. question number Oh, two. I got to ask you the question. Yeah. Okay. This is from Disc Seeker. What's the best flex pens? Okay, Disc Seeker. Uh, this is a common question, and I don't expect everybody to watch every video either on the Pencast or on our YouTube channel, but I did do a video on flex pens that has a very scientific rubric that I created myself, a very custom, time-intensive, laborious process that uh, ranks each and every um, notable flex pen that we have available right now. So check out that video right there. Um, but a quick rundown um, in terms of modern flex. Now, keep in mind, this is modern flex. A lot of people don't even like it when we say flex. Modern flex is basically not vintage flex at all. You could choose to even call it not flex, but whatever. For whatever reason, people do call it that. That's what our manufacturers call it. That's what we're going to call it sometimes. So get over it. Um, modern flex uh, for me, the Falcon is the, the best choice. I love the 912 FA nib. That's kind of my personal favorite, but for consistency, I pick the Falcon. If you want just kind of a pen that gives you good line variation, nice bounce back, a really good quality build and can take a wide variety of inks. It's just fun to write with. The Falcon was kind of the progenitor of the whole thing. And to me, it still stands, you know, right at the top of the heap. Mm -hmm. The uh, the design is pretty basic. It's just a black resin pen, very lightweight, but you're buying it for the nib. It's a very unique yeah. nib, but it's a ton of fun to write with. Mm -hmm. And to me is the most consistent of all any nib that we currently sell that's mm -hmm. built to provide line variation. I find that it's the most consistent one. And for me, yes, fun is a factor, but I would rather sacrifice a little bit of line variation for actual consistency and performance. And I think the Falcon hits that. Yes, you can get better line variation in other pens, but consistency takes a hit. Uh, the Peniter Hyperflex nib or the Quill nib is right there. Another gold nib, you know, that I think falls a little bit below the Falcon just in terms of consistency and quality. Also, the 912 FA nib, a little bit less consistent, in my opinion, and experience. That one's a bit persnickety. It is, and you it requires like it. angle adjustment. Yeah. I find that the Falcon is a, it's much more forgiving in uh, terms of angle and stuff like that. And so, not, not confusing at all that they're both called the Falcon. Yeah, the but. FA <laughs> technically is a Falcon, but it's a different nib that is yeah. on the actual Falcon. So we call Falcon. it more FA than anything. Yeah. Um, so then you've got um, the 743 with the FA nib, which we mentioned earlier today. That mm -hmm. one's a bit of a question mark. Uh, performance TBD. I'm optimistic, but um, that's a thing. You know, I can't really weigh in on that at the moment because it just came out this week. And then you've got steel nibs like Noodlers, Yovo Flex, and Conklin OmniFlex. Uh, those are resilient so-called flex nibs that do provide you some line variation. But um, sometimes the consistency in flow can be frustrating. So just take that for what it is. It is a great place to start, though. So if you are curious about flex nibs, starting with one of those steel nibs might at least prove to you that you do find it fun to write with. And then you could upgrade with one of those gold nibs if you'd like. Personally, of all of these, I would say, you know, if you're after a line variation, that's one thing. If you're just after a very comfortable, bouncy writing experience, the Pilot E95S is my favorite of all of these mm -hmm. to actually write with. And, um, well, maybe not as fun as the, e9, the 912, but... It doesn't provide you flex, like a ton of line variation. It can bounce and give you a little bit if you want it, but really it just has a very comfortable bounce. So mm. um, that's the most affordable gold nib that we carry. Definitely something to consider. But if you're after actual line variation, I'd go with the Falcon. That's a good one. Um, I'll also throw in there, if you want an affordable pen, this is not anything marketed as a flex pen, but the Diplomat Magnum mm -hmm. is a surprisingly springy steel nib. It really is. So if you want, you know, and it's a it's a lighter pen, thinner pen, you know, that kind of a thing. It's like, I think the most one of the most affordable on this entire list. Um, that one might be a good one if you're just like flex curious 
and you just want to like not make a huge investment, but just see like, is it even anything that you're interested in at all? It can be sort of a proof of concept because you do have to write differently when you write with flex. You have to go slower. It's more dimensions you have to think of in terms of your writing pressure and your hand angle and that kind of thing. So it's not for everybody. And like even me, I do not personally like using flex nib pens for my just everyday writing because it's just too many things to think about and I have a heavier hand. So I like to use flex when I'm intentionally trying to get line variation. But, uh, you know, that's something where like a Magnum could be handy for for those who are just testing the waters. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. All right. Question number three. MH Bryant 63 is just stating... I sometimes ask, what do you want us to talk about on the pencast? And M.H. Bryant says, we want we should talk about the decline of cursive and how to save it. Okay, so, like, you're you're leading me a little bit with these questions, Drew. Like, uh, I, think about all the pens that exist and which could be considered classics. And then how about... Do you hear him blaming me for this? Like, shift in society and how we can save it. Unbelievable. Like, Unbelievable. <laughs> No accountability saying. here. No accountability. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm just saying, man, you're stoking the flames, all right? Um, okay. So I think we should, again, as always, I need qualifiers when I answer anything. This is a broad question. How to save it. What does saving cursive mean? Like, we got to define what that what means. What does cursive mean? What is cursive really? Are we talking about cursive in school? Are we talking about cursive in general? Cursive in the United States school system? The Virginia public school system? These are all (laughs) questions, Drew. These are all legitimate questions. I don't know where M.H. Bryant's coming from on this one. Okay. I'll give the context that I have the most knowledge of, which admittedly is not very much. I am primarily a pen proprietor and a user of pens. I am not an educator. I am not a handwriting you know, guru, I, I am not other than getting asked about it a lot and having done some research and talked to some people who are way more qualified than me and trying to remember what they said. I'm not an expert on cursive or handwriting or education or anything. So take that for what it's will. Full disclaimer, everything I say, could if be they've been wa- if they've been watching at least two episodes of this, they don't expect us to be experts in anything. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I think we've well Still, established, we've established anything. We've established that. If episode 82 of the pincast happens to be your first video you've ever seen, just know that disclaimer is in place. Um, okay. Um, so thinking about the state of where the U S is in 2023, that's my context is the U S I, there's no way I could speak about the whole world. Um, but I'll speak about the U S I have two kids in school. Um, uh, it's not a requirement in most any school system to learn cursive writing in the U S I think it's like maybe 5% of schools in this country even have it in their curriculum. I discovered this week that my son Archer, uh, there's a point in time, uh, during the week where kids can either choose to learn cursive or do something else. And I just found this out. I'm like, because last year they started teaching it, but then this year I didn't hear anything about it. Yeah. I'm like, Archer, are you still learning cursive? Because remember, at the end of um, second grade, you yeah, were. Yeah. But I haven't. You haven't said anything about third grade. He's like, Oh yeah, we have the option. And I was like, And? No, no, no. I choose computer time. Like, okay. Proud, proud D- moment, right? Didn't, there. didn't yeah. just learn that. Yeah, my son has zero interest. My daughter has more interest. She does look at it more, but still, I think if we are thinking of saving cursive handwriting as requiring all students to do it in school as a part of the curriculum, I think you're dreaming. It ain't coming back. Like, and I hate to say that to a degree, but like the world is moving on 
And there is a lot of other things on the horizon that our kids are going to face in the future. I'm looking at AI and the stuff that that is already turning on its head in the school system. And I'm like, my kids need to understand what the heck that's all about. Yeah. Because that's going to impact their future world way more. Yeah. Are we even going to have human teachers, letters. you know, in a couple of years? Like- yeah. Like I, you know, I don't want to like downplay how important I think it is to practice and have handwriting and like really, and I've got a musical background. So it's like an instrument playing an instrument. It engages parts of your brain. It's all good, but I'm also a realist. You can't turn back the clock or unring the bell on something this major, especially when you're talking about like a national standard of education like this. I'm not a, I'm not a major historian when it comes to education, but I don't think it's often that some change happens like this and then goes back and to the way that it was. I don't think that's how history works generally. So I think we should not just like cry in our own milk about whatever. Is that the expression? Cry over spilled milk or what a cry in our own cereal? I really don't know the expression there. I'm like crying whatever. over our own milk. Cry over like our own milk. Like you just got a bowl of milk right there. A bowl of milk and you're done with your cereal. Maybe that's sad. it. Yes, you're sad. <laughs> sure, let's go with that. You know, again, I'm saddened by the fact that it's not taught because I do think it's great, but I'm hyper realistic that our kids face a lot of new challenges and they have to learn how to deal with those challenges. So um, while there's a sadness in that, I also think that it's not going to die completely. I think it's easy to say, oh, decline of cursive, blah, 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 it's going to go away. I mean, literally ever since we got into this business, even those who have been our suppliers and people running pen shows and things like that. Everybody was pretty much like, yep, this is all going to go away. I don't even know if people are going to be into this next year. And then the next year they'd be like, well, I guess people are still into it. You know, and now it's like, we've been doing this 13, 14 years now. And it's like seemingly more popular now than it was when we got into it. So it's like, but it changes like, so it changes. So handwriting as a commoditized method of communication be real this it's not, it's (laughs) it's not going to be that anymore. Yeah. You don't even have to like say, you know, you don't even have to type things anymore. You can just say them into your device. I wrote a bunch of letters you know? <laughs> um, this weekend to just some friends just saying hi. And yeah. I'm like, man, they're going to think this is so weird. Right. Like it's just it, written communication is just kind of already not a thing. It's shifting. Like, it's it's already people are going to get a letter in the middle like what the, you know, they might just throw it away just assuming that it's garbage. It changes, but because it changes, like the purpose of it also changes. And I think now it falls into a more artistic space. Yeah. So, you know, for what I see, like the rise of hand lettering, you know, a few years ago in places in visual mediums like Instagram, I mean, there were way more people that were practicing hand lettering and it changed what cursive was. It was not everybody learning the Palmer method of cursive and the exact same thing, but there were a lot of people doing really creative and interesting things with handwriting. And then, you know, that pendulum swings and stuff changes over time. So I think there's something fundamental to writing and expression and communication and artistry. It's never going to die, but it's going to change. So I think the idea of like teaching cursive it's it's going to have to change drastically and we'll have to think of new ways to do it. So I don't think a nationwide cursive writing in schools is ever going to come back, but I don't think it's going to die completely either. For sure, you're going to have some schools that, you know, maintain it as part of their curriculum or teach it as like, you know, a, a more of an artist, like an elective type class. Um, you know, and I thought of like a good analogy around this. Think Ooh, about like- I love analogies. Yeah. Think about like making your own clothing. Like in the early 1900s and stuff, industrial revolution, like sewing and hemming and all that was something that just about every like family did in their own house. Yeah. It was like a mainstay of just like living as a human as you had to know how to fix and repair and all of that with your own clothes. That's not 
necessarily the case anymore. You know, is that the worst thing in the world? Well, for a lot of people who are not really good at it, they're really thrilled because they don't have to make their own clothing. But yes, there are downsides to that. But if you wanted to, you could. But absolutely. Knitting, you know, fountain pens, all these things, none of these have gone away completely. There are pockets of people who are super enthusiastic about them and are teaching and sharing. And so it's like more enthusiast driven education around these things. But it's not like everybody has to learn how to do this in their everyday life because in practicality, everybody doesn't have to use it in their everyday life. So I think it kind of falls into that territory. So handwriting seems to be going kind of that same way as it is with like sewing and making your own clothes. Certainly a cool and interesting thing. It's definitely a way to stand out and express yourself. And it's a great skill to learn. But it's not something that like if you're not being taught in school how to hem your own dress, like are you being held back in a lot of ways, at least in the U.S.? Probably not. Like there's other things that you can learn. So I think it kind of falls on that. So I don't think the answer is trying to make cursive writing what it once was and saving it with that context because you're looking backwards in that way. But I think, you know, history evolves forward. And I think that the key is for us to develop what cursive writing and what handwriting is going to be for the future and what purpose it's going to serve. I think peer-to-peer education, I think using technology for inspiration and sharing and connecting with others and then teaching Teaching. through those mediums is going to be the way of the future. So it's a little less of like, let me lobby my politician to get handwriting back in schools. I think personally, that's a huge waste of my own time. It's going to be way more effective for me to like talk about it, share it, show others, improve my own handwriting, these types of things. So- that's that's kind of my perspective on it. I think that's very good. And I think it's a good analogy too. And it makes anybody who is in the hobby, you know, take knitting for any, for example, like it automatically, once you are engaged in this kind of unnecessary activity, just because you're passionate about it, it automatically gets you within a community, whether you realize it or not, mm-hmm. you are now with other people who share that same passion. And I, I love yeah. that. Like the more groups of passionate individuals in the world the happier we're all going to be. I think that just having an opportunity to discover a passion and then to find people that share it, to allow yourself an opportunity to engage in that passion, mm-hmm. like everybody should do that as much as possible. It just, it, it brightens everything up. So yeah. I, I, I love it. As long as there will always be people that are passionate about it. And that's what matters. Yeah. There you go. Beautiful. All right, Drew. Got a all question right. for you. Yes. It's from Majestic Oscar. What pilot custom would you recommend? Would like to try unusual nibs, but the 912 is a bit boring looking, or is it not? Oscar, it <laughs> is a bit boring. I love it. It's my personal it's classic. favorite. It's, it's classic. classic or is it design. vintage? I don't know. All right, I'm going to blow through this, Oscar, because I've got some things written down, but I feel the need for expediency. The need for speed. Yeah, so here we go. <clears throat> We're just going to talk about all the customs right now. So, Oscar, Do get it. ready. Do it. I also might slice out this video and make it its own thing. So, boom. Make it happen, man. I Custom. Will, I'll try to interject less. Oh. Well, now you just want me. I just want to bait you now. See what I can do. <laughs> okay. Custom 74. The worst I'm gonna try not to talk custom over you of the entire bunch. Okay. <laughs> I'm literally <laughs> just being a jerk. Did I will actually be quiet. Yeah. I'll only interject oh, when you I didn't hear what I just said. No, I didn't. The Custom 74 I start off with is the worst of the entire bunch. Because Brian spreading, Goulet likes spreading it. misinformation no. <laughs> here. Okay, no custom feeling, 74. Feeling attacked, Drew. I'm feeling attacked. I'm going to start from the lower end of the cost zone and work my way up. 
So a Custom 74 is the smallest and most affordable of the Custom Series that we carry here in the United States. It is $176. It has lots of colors. However, in the States, they are all translucent, so you won't find any solid colors available to you. It is a cartridge converter pen. Um, unlike the Custom 74 going up to $240, the Custom Heritage 92 is the only piston filler in the family of custom pens in the United States. Any pilot for that matter. Yeah, I believe it's the only one, the only one that I know of. So the Custom Heritage 92 is a piston filler, an internal piston filler. It is only available in the United States as a clear pen, but you do get to see all of what's in there crystal clear, and you get to see the lovely and smooth piston operation. It's a fun pen. Mm -hmm. um, going up the ladder to $280 is my favorite, the Custom 912. This in the States, as you mentioned, Oscar is only available in black. However, it has a lot of different nibs, including the FA nibs, which we talked about earlier. That's a fun one. It has a flat top. The previous ones we talked about, um, actually, no, not the uh, Heritage. The Heritage is also flat top. But the Custom 912 yes. is a flat top as well. A lot of the other Pilot pens have the more classic cigar shape. Yeah, that thing. Um, and then next up at 336 is the super well-known Custom 823. This is a vacuum filling pen. So that already makes it unique in all of these pens. And there are only two colors in the States. It is an amber and a smoke. So both translucent, basically a translucent brown and a translucent black, but you do still get to see all of the ink. It's twin kind of, is the newly imported Custom 743. So basically the same as the Custom 823, uh, same price, $336. But instead of a vacuum filling unit, you are getting uh, one color and then opaque black and a cartridge converter version, but with a ton of nibs. So uh, you've also got an FA nib in here. You've got a double broad as well. So some pretty unique nib offerings there. Uh, not as many as the 912, but it is a bigger pen with a bigger nib and a bigger feed as well, which matters. Now we're going to take a big jump up to the $900 realm with the Custom 845. This is an Urushi pen, so Urushi, Japanese lacquer over this thing, available in black and vermilion. The vermilion red is stunning, and it's one of those colors that can really only be achieved through Urushi lacquer. It's a big pen. It has a big, big gold nib. However, at $1,500, you get a bigger nib and a bigger pen. It's uh, the Custom Urushi, which is what I'm talking about here at $1,500. While similar to the 845 in a lot of aspects, including the fact that it is only available in black and vermilion Urushi as well, the Urushi lacquer is now over ebonite as opposed to what, brass or plastic, whatever mm -hmm. the other one is. Plastic, I think. Um, resin. So it's not that much more heavy, despite the fact that it is much larger, the largest pen on the uh, list here, the Custom Urushi. So um, just like two grams more in weight, but um, it is Urushi over ebonite. So ebonite's a pretty lightweight material, so you're not getting a ton more weight there. Those are all of the custom pens available in the United States. My personal favorite, Oscar, if I would recommend, is indeed the 912. Even though you think it's boring, I kind of do too. So I sent mine off to somebody to get some fancy Urushi lacquer done on it. Uh, but I still do think it's the best. I love a flat top pen, and I don't really care that it's black because it's got a lot of fun nib options. And it's of, of all of these, it is on the more affordable side of things. It's like the third most affordable one on this list. Granted, you know, it's still, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars, but it's under 300. So I like that. 
And uh, just a note, there probably are more customs out there that we don't carry. I know there's at least a custom 742, um, but uh, these are all the ones that we can import into the U.S. Well said, Drew. Well said. That's that. I like the 74. I know. I'm nostalgic towards it, though. It's a good pen. They're all great pens. I love them all. The A23, though, if I had to pick one... Maybe that one, but I don't know. I like the Rudy. I also will say, to extol the virtues of the custom 912, the opaque pens, while boring, they don't show off any ink stuck into the grip section. So not I'm not talking about in between the feed and the grip section. I'm talking about some of these pens, like the custom 74, have, a, have, custom have an inner sleeve inside of the grip section, and ink can kind of get stuck up in there. It's going to happen in the opaque black pens, too, but you're not going to see it, so... Personally, that sits well with me because otherwise I just stare at the ink knowing I can't really clean it out. And it drives me nuts a little bit. It's a feature, not a bug. There we go. Let's you know the pen's been used. They're all amazing. They're all great. So, uh, yeah, there you have it. We're big fans of that uh, series of pens. Solid. All right. Ready for number five? Let's do it. Boom, boom. All right. Number five finishing us out is Veronica Bujo Study. Veronica says, let's say you love Twisby, but you want to try your first gold nib pen. What do you pick? Brian can pick two. Look at her throwing you a bone. I totally missed that. You can pick two part and I picked like six, but I'll narrow it down to two, I guess. She's given you a, a, she's giving you a benefit here, allowing you to, and you just don't know why. I totally totally missed over that. Gracious me. I glanced over that part. I think I saw what I wanted to see. Mercy. Mercy. Okay. Well, for me, she said specifically Twisby Eco uh, in the question, but I mean, for me, it's, I don't know. Does it matter what, steel nib pen that you have an affinity towards when yeah. you move up to a gold nib pen? Like, yeah, of course. That... If, if you love a Twisby Eco, you might like demonstrators and you might like a big capacity. You might like a piston. Maybe. I mean, I that, that's all that an Eco is. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. I was thinking of like how the pen writes or whatever, but that's going to be different on a gold nib pen. No, I'm not really thinking about the nib. I'm oh, you're thinking... talking about like the feature, if you like those features of a Twisby. That's, that's how I took it. Good? Yeah. If okay. she loves the Eco, then the uh, you know most you know identify okay. like the the most interesting aspects of the eco are not the nib and the writing experience i mean that's a pretty generic german nib yeah i guess not it's more like the capacity capacity the piston, piston clarity yeah okay all right that's what i took anyway okay because i was thinking like i don't know i didn't i guess i was thinking that didn't influence too much what my opinion was going to be about a good kind of entry gold nib pen but i guess now with that context uh, that can narrow down my selection of like six things into maybe just one. Hey, look at we um, So I, I mean, we just talked about the Pilot Customs. I'm a fan of the Pilot Custom 74. It was a great introduction to me when I first started out with Gold Nib Pens. It's a great entry level Gold Nib. It's a good entry level. It's a, you know, you get that demonstratory kind of aspect mm-hmm. to it. It's not a piston fill pen, but that Con 70 does have a larger a ink capacity ink. than most. Mm-hmm. And even the cartridges have a pretty good size ink capacity. Not as much as an Eco, but still plenty. Uh, and the feel of that nib is kind of bouncy, springy. You, f- you really get a great introduction to what a gold nib can feel like, distinctly different from a steel nib. Um, so for that reason, I like that as a great introduction. Whereas I'm a big fan of the Lamy 2000, but one thing that I don't like about it as much as like your first gold nib pen, that pen probably could have a nib made out of steel and you wouldn't really tell that much of a difference of how it writes because there's really, it's a tiny little nib. There's not really bounciness to it or anything. So, you know, it is a great gold nib pen, but it's not like showcasing 
the yeah. most of what I mean, a gold you, you, can you've offer. told the story before where when you first got your hands on your custom 74 there was a wow factor yeah you were like, like this is a I gold was like nib. this is what people have been talking yeah. about with a gold nib not not every gold nib has to be like that and that's not even everybody's preference but still but for someone's first nib like, like for me you, you, were, you were there like i was wowed yeah. i was wowed so custom 74 would be an easy recommend for me for that matter the a23 it's it's almost twice the price so that's a little tougher to like you're getting say that capacity, that's the though. first one you are getting capacity so i'll throw the a23 in there maybe as a Kind of a second choice. Like, is that my pick too? I mean, I could pick another one, but I guess should I should I stop there? I'll go. The Pilot E95S was going to be the other one, but now thinking about like the demonstrator aspect of it, that's probably not where I would yeah, go. That with has it. nothing in common with it has the nothing uh, to do Twizby with the Eco, but I don't know. It's a, but it it possibly. It, it's, I was thinking of like pens that like are unique, good bang for the buck. Yeah, I mean, on thing. its own, I think that the eight, the nine, the sorry, the the Custom um, Seventy Four, I would stand by. I mean, on on its pick. own though, like it's hard to say that the E95S isn't like the best entry level gold nib. Like it gives you a really great gold nib feel, and it's, it's really the most good. affordable. But so, it's I mean, really it's really not anything related to an eco though. not a thing so custom 74 my, my my immediately went to like what's the most you know what's the most eco like gold nib i could think of and that was the heritage 92 so the pilot custom yeah. heritage 92 it's a clear pen it's a piston filler it's, it's got a gold nib it's basically a custom 74 with the ends chopped off and a piston in, in yeah so same pen otherwise yeah, yeah. so i mean okay. it's it's more expensive than the 74 it's got more internal components so you are paying a little bit extra but bit if, if you like the the capacity the demonstratorness and the piston of the eco this is the most eco-ish gold nib pen i could think of yeah and it's same nib as the 74 so yeah. we both agree that's the best nib you can get <laughs> here we go right <laughs> i'm just kidding all right that's what we got for q a um drew we have a pen spotlight that we're going to do the pilot parallels Let's let's do that okay. in a timely manner. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, folks. We have here a smorgasbord of um, parallels. So there's four of them. We have all four sizes here. One and a half millimeter, three, four and a half, and six. So kind of evenly spread out there. And I'll show you. Um, if you're not, I mean, we're, we won't go into full detail about these parallels. But they're different than your normal fountain pen. There's the difference between the smallest one and the thickest Huge one. Huge difference. Massive. Like, this isn't even a fountain pen nib. I mean, come no, on. What I, is happening here? Some people even use these as highlighters, honestly, which you can do. So it's kind of interesting, though, because if you look at it straight on, it's just two flat plates that are put together. It's really not even a nib, technically, so much uh, as it is plates um, that are put together. So still works like a nib. Uh, and, you know, it's got a clear grip and everything. So you can see your ink flowing in there. Uses the same Pilot Namiki cartridges. You can use converters with it too uh, for whatever ink that you want to use in here. So they're very handy in that way. Um, but they're kind of interesting and they have some cool things that you can do with it. So Charlie, Drew and I are going to show I've these had, off I've a had these bit. for so long. Look how much ink has evaporated from them. Where's that pink one? Where's <laughs> this that one? one? Are these really old cartridges? Yeah, look at that. Oh my wow, God. yeah. They ship them with more ink than this, but how long has this been sitting in your office, Drew? Years. Years. So, yeah, ink can leach through the plastic over a long <laughs> time. Um, so I'm going to do whatever this red color is. I don't even know because Drew just grabbed them. <laughs> um, so it installs just like any other cartridge. Push it in there. So it's going to take a second for it to kind of work its way down through, but that's what will happen there. It might even be pink. I can't tell. So we'll let that work its way down, and then we'll do the blue one too. Yeah. Now, the blue one, if you've been using the parallels for a long time, they used to have this um, gray body. Now they have a white body. So I would like to say I grabbed a gray body because I wanted to show you both, but this is actually just all I could find. So anyway, that's what we got. So this is a blue of some kind. So we're going to push that in there. Seems fitting because it's blue. So we'll you know, squeeze cartridge and encourage a little bit. There we go. 
help it work its way down through. Okay, let me let me see one of these. I want to try to get a, a shot of the plates here. Oh yeah, get a good get a good shot. Um, so we got some paper here. We're not going to demonstrate all four colors because we're already running our mouths quite a bit on this episode, but. We'll at least show you some of the cool aspects of what you can do with these pens. Now, these are very affordable pens. What are they, 10 bucks a piece? They you can were. Buy, buy them in a four-pack for 30 Oh, yeah. Did the prices go up? Oh, see, this problem. They probably went up. Price change. I'll, I'll, we'll we'll double-check that and maybe drop something over the Maybe. You know, so um, when you're inking up for the first time with a cartridge, sometimes it takes a minute. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it some encouragement here. Kind of like squish it down through. See if that helps it out at all. Give it a little shakedown. Yay. Okay. So once it starts to kind of work its way through, we'll get some good capillary action going. All right. So, um, you know, basically it's got these weird plate things, but um, it actually essentially ends up writing like a stub where it's really thin on the cross stroke and really thick on the downstroke. Now this is a one and a half millimeter. So I know I'm writing on blank paper here, but you know, theoretically, you can write, you know, in an approachably normal width, or like uh, not width, but size. I really can't talk and write at the same time. My apologies. I know I'm terrible at that too. Yeah. But yeah, you could fit, this is the one where you could reasonably could, fit this within standard ruling. This yeah. is probably the only parallel you could do that with. Unlike a dot grade with a 0.5 millimeter, you're going to struggle. Yeah. You may need to go double lined on this one. But pretty much anything um, bigger than this is yeah. unruly on the page if you're no. working within any sort of printed constraints. Because it's flat plates, if you tilt too much, you start to run into skipping issues and stuff. Yeah. So it does take some intentionality around it. So like as a daily writer, it's a little frustrating. It's more of kind of a calligraphy or an art pen. Yeah. Um, but if you if you write with a plate perfectly flat, then that's fine and it writes well. You can also turn it 90 degrees and you can write just with the edge. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> there we go. I think the ink is still kind of working its way through. So that actually is a nice little hack for and if you, you want to. you can kind of just use it like a normal pen. Yeah. So if I want to like write thinner, I can do it like that versus, you know, you know, this really fat kind of uh, stuff going on here. So you can kind of flip it like that. I've even seen people that like grind away part of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of that that I've seen on Instagram where people are kind of grinding off one edge and doing some cool things um, artistically with that. Is this one working yet? Good question. We'll find out. Do the big one. I'm going to do the big one. The big <laughs> one is going to blow your minds if you've never seen one of these. Ah, ah, look at this. I'm doing it. Get, get out. Get out yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me force a little extra through there. Bah, there we go. I fixed it. Don't worry. Yeah. I primed it. Drew's actually better with these things than I am because he does more drawing and like that kind of stuff. Oh, Look yeah, at this thing. Look at that. Oh, the oh swath. God. It's so beefy. Swath of nib. I love that so much. That's the biggest one. That's the 6.0. But then the cross stroke is the same as it is on the thin one. I love it so much. So you can go. That so, is so epic. In terms of calligraphy, you can do some very interesting things, you know. My handwriting's not amazing, but. The 6.0 parallel makes it look amazing. It can fill a whole page. Gule. Pens. Beautiful. So yeah. And then you can still write on the edge and get relatively small with it. Same as the other one. And then there's this other really cool, interesting aspect to these pens. Not something a lot of people are aware of. So the ink that comes with these things is known as the mixable, pilot mixable cartridges. So they make these parallels so that if you actually touch the plates to each other, 
it sort of transfers one ink color to another. And depending on how long you hold it and if it's actually making contact, I hope that it is. Um, <laughs> we'll find out in a second. Um, but then it will give you sort of an ombre effect. So you can get sort of this like mishmashy color effect, which is kind of cool. So that doesn't last very long when you use the super fat nib, but like on the other one, you know, it'll probably last a little bit longer, maybe. No, it looks like it transferred the red over to the blue mostly. You got this kind of purple thing. It's still so pretty fun. Something... It's not something that can, not every fountain pen can do for sure. Yeah, you can't, I mean, like, technically, I guess you could do this with another fountain pen, but it's so difficult. Here you can actually do it because you have the, the plates going on. So it does transfer over some of that color. The longer you hold it, the more of a transfer you get. But it just gives you some other cool, like artistic ways that you can sort of play with these things. So if you're using two, um, you know, sizes that are closer to each other, you'll get a more even color and uh, it might last a little bit longer. It'll last longer the longer you hold it on there. But I don't know, it's kind of cool. You can do that, you know, in different ways than you can uh, with a normal fountain pen. So I don't know, for whatever the price is, I need to look this up. It's been 10 bucks for so long that I- I think it's 20 now. to say that. Get out of here. Okay. It could be. Um, let me reorient myself. Parallel, $14.13. I don't know how I couldn't remember that. Okay, $14.13 now per parallel. And then I wanna say there's a pack of them you can get too. I know what the price was. I don't know what the price is now. But they have a, they have a four pack where you can get one of each size as well. It's a fun pen. And for 14, 13, why not buy some $14 fun? It's, I say, this is $50 fun in a $14 piece of plastic right here. There you go. So anyway, check them out. If you haven't played around with them, to me, it's just one of these pens that like, as you're learning how to use fountain pens, like just pick them up. It's good to have on hand. It's so much it's fun, fun to mess around and with. And you know what? If you are um, looking to, if you just can't figure out stub nibs, these are kind of uh, good training tools because they really do help train you to keep your nib flat on the page and not rotate. Because when you rotate these things, they just completely stop altogether. Yeah. So I like them a lot. There they're go. just fun. I don't play with these enough, Brian. Do you ever? Every time I write with a parallel, I'm like, ah, oh, why don't I play with these more? Oh, so the set itself, the price hasn't really gone up yet. Thirty six ninety two for all four pens. That's a bargain. Yeah. Those might have the old ones in them still. So the old one was one and a half, 2.4, 3.8, and six millimeter. So it seems like now they've changed the new ones to be one and a half, three, four and a half, and six. So close enough. Yeah. Um, but anyway, pretty cool little pens. So cool. I love the parallel. We're going to do a, oh. What's happening? It's time for what's happening. It's time for what's happening. Drew, I'm going to let you go first so I can add in notes because I I can't remember what happened last week. So I need to think of it while you talk. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I told everybody last week that this past weekend we were going to uh, my grandparents' old river house. Um, That's right. The, and, sad uh, house, the sad house. Yeah. It was. <laughs> was it? Did it meet your expectations for sadness? Yes. Yes, it did. So <laughs> oh, also it's my birthday. So I'm like, you know, I just turned 39 and um, it's, it's not. almost 40, Drew. I know, I know. But Knocking the, at the door. But this was the first birthday where I had a birthday and then I really kind of felt the whole passage of time thing mm. because the, my birthday weekend, I went to the river. and Oh, you were I already had, like primed yeah, for nostalgia. Well, like all, all, all my childhood, we'd go, we'd go over the, you know, because, you know, back when I was a kid, it was just a little trailer, you know, a little 
junk, junky trailer out on the river and we'd go out there on the boat, put the crab pots in. And, um, it was a, you know, junky little trailer, but we loved it. And it was out on the water and we, you know, uh, t- tons of memories when I was a kid. And, um, since then they bought a little two part home and, you know, it's much nicer. Um, not as many memories there. So the house itself, like, yeah, some memories, but not a ton. But then when I went outside and I just went down to the dock and the pier had almost completely washed away. It was like, oh, it used to go out and then turn into an L and then the boat, um, whatever lift was there. And that was all gone. Um, the L was completely gone. There was only like maybe like a 10 foot section, you know, from the, um, and the beach had all eroded away. There was even a gap between the land and the pier that had eroded away. And that hit me hard just seeing mm. the dock like that. And, and that's a good reason to sell it. Like it's just not, not enough. Um, we weren't able to maintain it. My grandfather passed away several years ago. And since he died, you know, just, uh, kind of fell into, I wouldn't say disrepair, just every time someone went down there, there was something else to fix. So it got to the point where, you know, it just wasn't, you know, super sustainable and the value is good and for its, you know, waterfront property. So it made sense to sell him. I want my grandmother to be able to have the money because they owned it. I mean, they've had the place for like 50 plus years. So um, my grandmother will now be able to have some fun in her, you know, final years, be able to go do some fun stuff and splurge a little bit and live, live comfortably. But uh, yeah, I did, you know, having it be my birthday weekend, it definitely felt like, oh my gosh, this was a long time ago. Um, you know, cause I have, I have videos of this place, like just, you know, as recent as 2000, you know, so I have a, <laughs> a video recording of me just recording there with my old camcorder in the year 2000. And even then it looked so different. So yeah, that kind of hit me. Um, but you know, we helped clear out everything, made a couple of runs to the dump and, you know, brought up a, brought a big old pile of who knows what over there. And yeah, it was nice to see my family though, mm-hmm. but definitely definitely some weird feelings there yeah but it i did you know can't argue that it was the right move like it definitely was time to yeah. move on yeah but things aren't getting better with no time. but but it's yeah. weird like this is the last place that um you know is was pretty much you know the same as when i was a kid the outdoors anyway the house is different but yeah it's 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 gone now so yeah but Anyway, it's my birthday. That was fun. Um, it, it was the weirdest birthday because we just had a lot of stuff going on, including, you know, going down to the river to move some stuff. So it wasn't a super eventful thing. I did have a dinner with some friends. It was kind of planned, not as my birthday thing, but it happened to be a birthday thing. So we kind of, you know, uh, my brother gave me a Super Nintendo cartridge that I've been wanting for a very, very long time. I've yeah. been even saving for it because it was extra expensive yeah Which i didn't think out ever it was called demon's crest it was a capcom demon's game crest. you know for okay. the super nintendo hmm. um you're like a gargoyle and you're you know run around fighting bad guys but you can get different uh gems that turn you into like an earth gargoyle or an air gargoyle or oh. a sea gargoyle and you have different powers and there are multiple endings which was like not super common for super nintendo games back hmm. then so i wanted it not because it was rare and expensive but i just really liked the game and i never owned it yeah. as a kid so mm. and he gave it to me and i it blew my mind i was like I dropped it. I, I, he gave it to me in a box that had like, you know, oh, several different resistance bands. And he's like, yeah, you know, I thought you kind of, you know, just work on yourself a little bit. I'm like, eh. I'm like, is this jerk like being prank, serious? Prank box. I, he had me going. So I opened it up and then I saw it. I was like, like it was a spider or something. Like I didn't even <laughs> know wow. how to process that. Like, I don't even remember telling him that I was really wanting that game. Like, wow. 
blew my mind. So that was awesome. And then Shannon got me the new Lego uh, Star Wars game, got me a wow. new comic book, a new shirt. Um, a lot of my shirts come from my wife, by the way. I, I get asked that a lot. Um, yeah, she she keeps me, you know, encased in very, very entertaining shirts. Um, so that was great. Uh, um, tonight, we're actually going over to my grandmother's house for the obligatory Drew's birthday carrot cake, which that's all I care about. She's like, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, don't care. Carrot cake. Carrot cake for dinner. Um, and she makes it, and it's always special. Nice. So um, <clears throat> we're doing that. And then um, we uh, also, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's about it. So birthday stuff, that was fun. Uh, sat down with my son on Saturday, uh, Sunday, and watched Cool Runnings with him. He had never seen Cool Runnings. I'm like, dude, you need to see these classics. It was between Mighty Ducks and Cool Runnings. And I looked at the Rotten Tomato score just because I'm like, all right, I remember both of these as being awesome. Yeah, it's nostalgic, but is it right. like? I wanted to double check. Uh, cool Running's way better received than Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks has like a 27 or something like oh, that. Wow. I was like, okay, well, well, let's do Cool Running. So that'll like, I want the odds to be high that he will actually like it. And he did. He very much did. It was, he watched the whole thing, you know, he didn't get impatient or, you know, jumpy or anything. So that was really cool. However, at the very end of it, he, uh, criticized me a little bit, said, dad, why do you always get so emotional at movies? Because I was crying. Not like boohoo crying, but there were some tears. Like the ending is a very heartfelt moment and it doesn't take a lot. Basically any Disney movie, like I will, mm, they, they, they know the. Form. They, know they know what know they're the doing. Formula. They know what yeah. they're doing. It's not my fault, but he and Shannon are always like, oh my God, Drew's crying again. I'm sorry. I'm just, I just happen to be, I, I get very involved emotionally yeah, with these a, movies. It's a immersive experience for you. That it very much is. Cool yeah. runnings, man. But I tell you what I learned. Brian, do you remember Cool Runnings? I do. Do you remember the end? I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, there's a crash. Yeah, there's a crash, and then they all get up and like there you go. walk it to the, the finish crash, line. The crash, the very violent crash, where like their heads are scraping up against the side of the ice. Yeah, that's the actual crash. Really? From like the '88 Olympic Games. I did not know. They that. used the footage. I did not know that. Neither did I. Wow. I watched the actual footage of the games. Like they didn't pick up the bobsled and walk it, but right. they walked along it. Um, like it was just being pushed. Wow. But um, based on a true right. story. But that's right. the actual crash. Wow. I didn't know that. It's wild. And they were all okay for the most part, I guess. Um, nobody died, but that they showed the actual crash. That blew my mind. I had wow. all these years. Hmm. I didn't know that's, that. I know. That's freaky, man. Um. I also started uh, my seeds for the year. I got them all in my seed starting tray with my little LED light above okay. it. It's on okay. a timer now this year. Normally, I'd flip right. it on and off in the mornings and in the evenings. Yeah. But now it's on a timer. So you get uh, about uh, nine hours of uh, okay. nice, you know, ultraviolet light. This is like in the house? So in the house. So my, in my laundry room right next to my uh, dryer. <laughs> it's in the corner. I don't need much. Okay. I don't need much. Um, but I, I, I need to show you. I I. I use my journal to draw. I don't have it with me, but I use my journal to draw, um, you know, my layouts. So I know where, what seeds are uh -huh, where. Uh -huh. And I drew little pictures, little tomatoes, and little peppers. <laughs> nice. I felt like an actual journal person for a little bit, Brian. You are an actual journal person. <laughs> You're journaling about your garden. That's, that's pretty, legit, pretty legit. Look at me. I nice. felt legit. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so, so I did that. So when do you plant those? Like, obviously, we're still getting cold here. In our zone, yeah. 7A, um, 7A, our last frost, yes, that's the hardiness zone. 
We're in zone seven yes. A. Our last frost is technically April seventeenth. So oh, that's like a month away. Like we can still get frost. I and mean, last it was pretty year, frosty last night. It last was like year we got here. frost a couple days after seventeen. We did. Too. Yeah. So I I lost a few things oh, last no. year. Yeah. So it'll be a couple weeks. Um, okay. You know, I will probably the tomatoes. I'll probably replant into slightly larger containers rather than the little seed starting tray. But yeah, they'll be uh, they'll be there for a while. And then there's some things that I'm going to direct sow. Like I direct sow the carrots, and mm-hmm. I'm going to direct sow all the flowers. Doing uh, baby's breath and uh, butterfly pea, which is a blue flower that is edible. Interesting. And you can put it into a bubbly a bubbly clear beverage and turn it blue. Well, that's cool. It is cool. I'm super excited about that one. All right. I'm into that. And baby's breath, because like who doesn't need baby's breath? You buy a little cheapo bouquet at the grocery store. It might be a little wimpy looking. Throw yeah. some baby's breath baby's in breath there. It's nature's filler. Boom. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm all about that. Awesome. Look that's that's what's happening with me. Look at you doing plants. Look at me. Yeah. Planting and journaling. That's right. To go well hand in hand. Like a real man. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't have a lot. Are you, are you all done? I don't want to. Yeah. I see yeah. Point. Okay, cool. Cool. I, um, not that I'm not entertained by your saying, I just want to not cut you off before I get into my stuff. Um, get into your stuff. So, yeah, we had um, Rachel's sister's family came into town. Hey. Which is fun. Yeah. The in laws. The in laws. Um, their kids are on their spring break. So it was nice for them to come down. They stayed through Monday. And uh, yeah, good time was had by all. Kids had a great time. You know, our kids are old enough now where they can be like leading the kid activities or whatever. And we can just, we don't have to like. Leading the kid activities. You, with, mean, you mean Ellie telling them all what to do? Ellie's really good with other Is she people's really? kids. Yeah, she's oh, really good with like. That's awesome. She takes on like a babysitter responsibility type Very of thing. Very cool. So yeah, it doesn't, so doesn't keep on the bossy pants. Both my kids are so patient and so kind to oh, like awesome. younger kids. Good for you. Yeah. And then they leave and they become nightmares to us as well, the parents. Hey, but I'm like, that, no, I'm just kidding. That, that's, <laughs> but not really. That's what they do. We no, always I mean, ask they're, Archer. They're like, really, they're really we good. always ask Archer like, do you behave like this at school? No. I'm like, oh, I mean, good, I guess. I'm but telling you, it's it's different. It's amazing how different kids are at school than at home, Man. in a good way usually. Um, Here, no, I, I have a question though. for you. I haven't looked at the notes yet. Okay. Every time you go visit the in-laws, yeah. you bring a bunch of tools, and you're basically like, "Hey, look yeah. at my toys. Who wants to play?" Does the same thing happen when they come to your house? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so it's different when I when I go up to visit Rachel's parents or her sister. I'm always like, "All right, who needs?" Like a project done. Uh, okay. Like who who has work that needs to be accomplished? <laughs> you know, and it's like I'll bring the tools that I need like to do that project. Oh my gosh. So it's more to like help them out. You I know? want one ounce of your like <laughs> proactive home maintenance. One ounce. It's my it's my it's my love language. Oh like acts of service is my love language. I, I, I'm even afraid to make a list of the things I need to do to my house. Well, I'm like, not like asking them to make a list, but I'm just oh. like, hey, what have you got going on? And they're like, well, we got these like curtain hooks that the kids have pulled on and they're pulling away from the wall. I'm like, I can pack some drywall. Let's there we do go. It. Oh, my God. You know, and it's just basically like or I'll 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 listen out for comments that they make about things around the house, mm-hmm. like a doorknob is sticky or the the door jam like, you know, hits whenever they try to close the door or something like that. I'm like, I'll make a note and be like, I'm going to bring I'm going I'm to fix that next time I'm here. You are such you a know? good son in law. I try. So what'd you, what'd you, what'd you get down to uh, this weekend? Well, this is different because it's like, this is at my house. Mm-hmm. So usually when they come down, like I have, as you probably have guessed, if you listen to this podcast, I have a lot of tools. 
and I've land. So it's like, usually it's like, let's go cut down some trees or clear some trails or something dramatic. Um, this, this time was a little bit different. Um, we actually spent some time in the workshop. So, um, my brother-in-law and I, we made a knife. Um, yeah. So I I had bought this, uh, I went to Woodcraft and I bought this like knife kit that like has the, it doesn't have the knife scales, like the handle part. So it's made for making your own knife scales. And, uh, what what is a knife scale? It's just the, it's just the like side part of the knife of like the handle. So if you have a pocket knife, you know, they call them scales. sort of like if you have, if you're making pens, it's called a pen blank a knife. It's called a knife scale. So it's just like a small piece of wood or material. Like the handle. Yeah. It's the handle basically. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. But like the structure of the handle is all there. You're just putting an exterior oh, okay, part okay. So there's, onto there's, it. There's like a plastic or there's a metal, sort of there's a metal, metal interior. So the whole knife is functional. Okay. But you're just making like the wood part here. Oh, we made that, okay. glue it to the knife, and then it makes it the full thickness. And I see. It looks prettier than bare metal. Gotcha. So that's what we made. That's so we cool. used uh, Amboina Burl. Mm, that's your favorite. Two, yeah. Two-tone Amboina Burl. So it was kind of cool. He'd never done anything like that. I've done a little bit. I did it with my father-in-law as well with like a wine corkscrew thing. Um, Do you remember what kind of holidays. steel it was? This This knife was titanium. So I, I splurged a little bit on this kit. Whoa. But it wasn't crazy. I mean, Does I'm that, sure it's not like the, the nicest Can, can you sharpen that? Well, I don't know. That's his problem. It's his <laughs> knife now. I just bought the kit. <laughs> I was like, it'll be fun to make. I'm sure it's going to be more decorative than anything. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know if the blade itself is titanium. Oh. Maybe it's just the other parts are titanium. Oh, okay. That was asking. I don't know. It just says titanium on it. So I was like, okay. Brian K knows like so much about knife steel. Oh, and, yeah. Like, he's always I'm asking. sure the blade's not titanium. I'm just, I'm just doing my impersonation of him because like even if you said, oh, it's blah, 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 I'd be like, okay, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I didn't look I don't that really, deeply in I don't really want to know, but that's what he does. So I was trying yeah. to sound smart like he like I'm the woodworker. I made the wood. You know, <laughs> uh, not I. We we made it together. Um, so, there's one. There's one steel I know he calls alphabet soup because it's like it, some like seven eight of... three nine M O V C four whatever. Probably. Yeah. But then the really cool thing. So their niece, my niece, their daughter is eight years old, and she's very crafty, very creative. She loved my workshop, like. Loved it. Like, this is what I would want my kids to love, but they don't. Right. And that's fine. They are into their own stuff. And they come out to the workshop and stuff like that. But this girl, like, latched onto it. She was so excited. Literally, we'd, like, play outside or go for a walk or something. And she would just be like, can we go in and I just smell your workshop? (laughs) That's what she said. I bet you were so happy. She just wanted to smell it. And I was like, girl, I'm vibing with you (laughs) so hard right now. So we made a couple of things with her. So she wanted to make... You know, she's also eight. So it's like she wanted first she wanted to make a working go-kart. That was her request. And I was like, okay, love the ambition. I was let's, actually let's set the let's set the goal a little more tameable. I was actually thinking like you mentioned, like, oh yeah, you know, I have tools, I have land. Like I, there's I'm kind of surprised you don't have some like recreational vehicle of some kind. I would not be remiss to say I've shopped for them and looked at them, but I just like, I feel you like know. you should have a dune buggy. I mean, my next door neighbor does. <laughs> they do, but I don't and uh that's all right. I have enough engines. I guess in my you, life I right guess now. you probably need something you can take in the trails. Yeah, like an ATV or something like that. I'm thinking a that would be fun. How about like a fun. how about like a one wheel but with an ATV tire? I mean, you can take ATVs on trails, or you can take one wheels on trails. They make like an off road version of them. Yeah. That's what you need to have. I feel like I'm gonna get hurt if I do that because I'm not. Yeah, but I really want to see that. I'm a very top heavy person. Well, I need I need something that weighs more than me underneath mm. me. What if you use some sort of balancing rod, like a, like a tightrope 
person. Oh yeah, in the woods, that's a great idea. Yeah, you hold it this way, like a like a jousting. Oh yeah, sounds like a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, anyway, so she wanted to make. Uh, so I, I had to guide her. I had some books about like woodworking for kids. So we we found some inspiration from there. Um, so one of the things we made was a guitar, like an that is so a, adorable, an electric guitar. Oh my god! And so we made it. I you know, and it's like you know. She was really sweet. She wanted to like mark and measure everything, but I didn't like let her go nuts on tools and stuff. She's eight, but she wanted to like cut stuff with the saw and stuff like that. So we like held it together. So it was like a great bonding thing for oh me and my, my niece. Oh my God, I love it so much. Um, and then she designed it. So she made it, she wanted to have a heart as the body and then she wanted a star at the top. She's like, cause I want to be a rock star. Oh my gosh, that's like, like something straight out of like gem and the holograms. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's awesome. So she conceived of the whole thing and she colored it and everything. I just helped her make the wood part. Oh my God. And then she wanted to make a box. So we made a box ah! and she like helped me with the screws and she was like all about. It's got a rainbow. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it looks like this is something you would make if you wanted it to seem like an eight year old made this, but this was legit. Oh. So yeah, she was very excited about it. You need to make her a Brian's wood shop candle so that she can smell your wood shop at any time. Just, Somehow, just wax and sawdust. Yeah, just, you can do that. Maybe the most fire hazardous candle ever. But can you do that? Can you infuse sawdust into a candle? I feel like that would make it very flammable. But I don't know. It depends on how much you chop it up, I guess. I don't know. There's got to be a way. One of our first employees, Ben, had an idea for a candle company called Smell. Yeah, remember that? Smells. He just wanted to smell like things yep. like leather, fresh cut grass. Yeah. I mean, there's companies now that do that kind of a thing. Yeah. But anyway, I was thinking, hey, I get served up. So <laughs> I get served up so many ads on Instagram for like candles that smell like Disney world rides. Oh, okay. Like pirates of the Caribbean water, basically just like, you know, dirt and chlorine, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like mildew and chlorine, like, ah, theme park water. Rachel and her sister have a very specific like phrase that they have from their childhood that it smells like Disney world in the morning. Mm. Like that's like a smell memory that they Disney have. Disney World in the morning. Yeah. So every now, you know, it's that like very asphalty. You know, if there's been like dew or something like that, that's starting to evaporate off the asphalt. I don't think I've ever been to. I mean, I've only been to Disney World a handful of times, but I don't know if I've ever been early. Okay. So her aunt used to work at Disney World like uh, back in the eighties. So they would go there and. Like, yeah, I definitely don't have. I haven't visited enough to like really equate any sort of smell memory. Or just like any amusement park. You know, like bef like in the morning, Perhaps. there's a different smell to it than mm. like in the afternoon. I don't know how to describe it, but I guess like morning parking know. lot is definitely a smell. Yeah, Maybe it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I can bit. I can understand that. Bit. If I wanted a Disney World smell, though, it would be the living with the land smell. Oh, I like that. That ride. that has a good smell. I love that ride. That ride is the best ride in the entire Disney complex. I like the People Mover too. People Mover is right up there, man. But they're. But There's parts of the people mover where you're like, did they forget that this is a ride? Oh, Shannon can't just go like on it. In the dark, Shannon, you're like, Shannon legit had a panic attack last time. Like really? she will not. She's afraid of living with the land. No joke. When it got oh, all wow. dark, like that triggered her. She did not like oh, that. Oh gosh. Okay. But living with the land, man, the the line's never bad. You learn things. It's, oh, it's educational. It's relaxing. It's fun. There are hidden Mickey's to look for. You get education. It is the best. Yeah. The only thing I wish is they would like give you some food from the ride. They'd be well, like, that's what Sunshine Seasons is for. Hydroponic tomatoes and be like, I'd love to eat one of they those serve, tomatoes right that's now. That's what uh, Sunshine Seasons next door. They use food that oh, yeah, they yeah, grew. Yeah, yeah. 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 You just got to get a reservation. But I want reservation it, but I want it on advance. the ride. No, I want to be like. On the ride. I want I want that cucumber yeah. right there that's grown out of a cactus or whatever <laughs> the heck. 
Because they do like hybrid plants and stuff yeah. like that. And you're like, that shouldn't grow like that. That's cool. I want to eat that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I anyway. want to go to there. Yeah. Uh, also, my brother-in-law. So he's worked in like the corporate sector for quite some time. And, you know, I was talking to him about movies. You know, we were just talking as a family. Like, hey, what are some of your favorite movies and all that? And you said, I don't know. And, I don't watch them because I won't stop watching Severance. I've watched it 20,000 well, times. Where, you see where I'm going with this, actually. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> so... He, I was, I was like, so have you uh, seen Severance? Oh my God. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, everybody keeps telling me I need to see oh it. He's like, God. I want to see it. But he works a lot and he's got two young kids and all this. And I was like, well, hey, yeah. and they like, they were staying with us for a couple of days. I was like, we could watch the first couple episodes at least. I literally just watched through it have last you, week. Oh my God. Brian, have you at least I watched started it? started it again with him. <laughs> Please tell me at least, have you watched it on an actual television screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what we were doing this time. Cause you watch it, you watch stuff on like, I watch, screen, it on, I watch it on my phone. Oh, that upsets me I don't so get much. I don't get screen priority in my house. I don't well, think you, you understand. That's why you watch you. I have two. I know, but late at night, teen, teenage age children. No, I watch. I'm watching Last of Us right now. That has to happen at like midnight. But I still won't watch it unless it's on a big screen. Fair enough. Like Severance is a very attractive show. You gotta give it, it is. respect the cinematographers enough. Absolutely. to display it in its full glory. I, I'm with you on that. Okay, a much better cinematic experience. So I have watched it through once or twice on a big screen. Okay, good. Yeah. But like most of the time when I'm watching stuff, it's just on my phone, whatever, who cares? <laughs> you know, but anyway, so we did start to watch it again. And now I was like, well, I've watched the first two episodes with him. I'm like, well, I might as well, oh my might as well finish out the season again. Oh it's just like on repeat. So it, It's just so good. It really is. So yeah, he's, he's really digging in. Because he was talking, he was like, yeah, his, all his favorite movies were like the Christopher Nolan movies. He's like, ones that are kind of dark and complex, you know, Inception and Dark Knight and oh, all that kind of stuff. This is and perfect I was like, for him. I was like, dude, you know, that's like what Severance is. He yeah. was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, let's watch it. And he was like, all right. <laughs> so we made some popcorn watching that. And I was how, do you, like, how do you make popcorn? Yeah. You, you do microwave bags? Uh, this time I did, yeah, yeah, just because it was easier. But we've done I, it a couple different ways. We've done I, it in like... You know, I do it not, with like a coconut oil and like the air, like the the spinny roundy poppy, uh, whirly popper, pop, whatever that thing's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We made that. That's pretty good. You can make coffee in those. Like you can actually you roast, can roast coffee your own coffee. Beans. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. Uh, I have not had a microwave in the house for years. I don't understand how you function. We kind of don't have room for one. If we if, if we got one, I'd have to move all my coffee crap. Mm. So we're kind of waiting until okay. we can redo all the cabinets in the kitchen and put one above the stove. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to do the cabinets it's a that's a whole thing anyway um i've started just pouring the kernels right into the uh in a, a pan with oil yeah. and just let it pop yeah it's super easy it doesn't take a lot no and it, it Popping popcorn is about the easiest thing you, you don't can do. burn any of them you like you um heat up the oil enough to pop two kernels take those out fill your pan with the kernels mm-hmm. take it off the heat for 30 seconds to let the kernels heat up, put it back on the heat, and then just take it off when they're done popping. I've never like had a burn popcorn issue. I mean, you'd have to just like let it sit there when it's already popped for like yeah. minutes to it's, let it it's burn. It's super easy. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then you got the popcorn butter oil, some powder, and yeah, shake it up. Let the dogs swarm around you because they know you're going to drop some. Yep. Let them eat it and burn <laughs> their mouths because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> While you're like tripping over them because they're all around you. Hank will not. Like he will insert himself. If you are standing belly up to the counter, he will still get in between you and the counter every time. And he yeah. doesn't, he's not even like a super like, like food, you know, like he doesn't try to get food all the time. Felix does, but yeah. Hank still, he just wants to just 
be all up in your stuff. Yeah. That's like, like when Rachel and I try to hug each other and we're like in the house, like say we're in the kitchen or something like that. If Ellie sees us, she'll come over and like insert herself in between us, which is like endearing when you're, you know, five. But now she's 11. She's almost as tall as Rachel. So like a giant cat. <laughs> she's just like, like this, like, you know, <laughs> rugby player, like shoving <laughs> Rachel out of the way. Yeah. Uh, so we would, she would always insert herself as the pickle onto the sandwich that we were making. I love and it. We were just like, okay, pickle sandwich. And Rachel doesn't like pickles either. So it was just like, what are you doing? Get out of here. We don't want pickles on our sandwich. Um, anyway. And then last thing. Um, so Joseph is really into Star Wars Lego minifigure things and just total nerd in that way. My man. Um, Lego's oh. best life. What? Go ahead. Did you know that Lego, you know how they have Marvel mechs, like little, like yeah. 10, $15, like they're coming out with Star Wars ones. I'm sure I'm going to hear about that from oh, Joseph yeah. as soon as he finds They're like 10, 10 to $15, easy way to get some cool minifigs. Okay. Good to know. He's like all about this. He's on like BrickLink all the time. And he's I don't even know what that about, is. Well, he, he'll have to educate you then. No, it's no. Like a, it's I, don't like need a, Ar- I don't need Archer to internet yet. It's like a buy, sell, trade thing for Lego things of all kinds. But oh, my. Yeah. So, like, old sets and, you know, used stuff. And That's cool. He's bought, like, used minifigures from past sets. And That's awesome. He had General Grievous, the Star Wars thing, but he lost his head oh. years ago and could never find it. So he bought a General Grievous head so that he could complete his General Grievous again. Nice. It was, like, seven dollars or something for that stupid head but it's a very distinctive piece um and that's what he chose to spend his money on so anyway all that to say it prompted him which is good it's like he's learning like oh if i want things i can buy them with money and the way that you get money is by doing things that other people value yes. and they will give you money yes. so he is not like an outdoor kid and he doesn't really like He's not driven by money, but he's driven by the things that money can buy. Sounds like my son. So yeah, he's uh, he was starting to talk to me about like possibly starting to mow the lawn. And I was like, really? I got Archer to do the dishes last week for the first time. Nice. I mean, load the dishwasher, but still. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and he was cool with it. I'm like, oh, this is a thing that can happen. Yes. Yes. Like, finally, some payoff for Please. this investment. Um, so yeah, I'm talking to him seriously about it. And I've like, nice. I mean, I have a zero turn lawnmower. It is like a no joke lawnmower it's a beast of a machine so i was like we can t-, and you know this is classic kind of rachel too rachel's like well you can mow the lawn and i was like rachel's never even sat in a lawnmower right. so it's just like okay yes technically but like it's a lot of responsibility to mow that lawn and not like hurt yourself so it's like all right dude if you want to like if you really want to consider doing this like i'll pay you to mow the lawn you know because that's time it saves me but yeah you know, it's like, we got to start out. Like, I got to show you how the lawnmower works. Have you practiced First, on you need it, to pay him to finish that Lego display case. That kind of thing. That's done. Oh, you finished it. It's all done. Yeah. Picks. Did I not? No, we didn't. Talk about it. it. No, you keep showing us like. Oh, shoot. You, you keep saying that like. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, we finished it weeks ago. We're almost done. Well, we just... Oh, my gosh. No, we finished it. That's old news now. So we need a picture of it filled with Star Wars. Oh, I did. Maybe I just forgot to mention it. We've been along for this journey, Brian. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry. Well, I mean, here we are talking about it. Uh, let me... We're invested. Oh, my gosh. We are emotionally invested in your... Where are my pictures? Flash display case. I think I, like, snapped some pictures, like, one day as I was leaving his room, and then I forgot. Ah, well, you can add it later. You can show me later. Okay. Anyway, that's done. So I'll add pictures if I can find it. Um, yeah. So I had Joseph, and then, of course, like, Ellie wants to also do it, which she's a responsible kid, but she's 11, and this is a... 
24 horsepower motor, 60 inch zero turn lawnmower. It's a big machine. So it's, and I was just like, but Rachel had already spent like, oh yeah, go and see your dad. And I was just like, like, she's gonna be like, I bet you I can do it faster than Joseph. Yeah, This is how everything has gone with Ellie. She wants to do everything better, faster, harder than Joseph. And for most things, I'm like, cool. But for stuff like this, I'm like, so I was like, all right, if she can sit down and take instruction and take it seriously, cool. And she did it as much as Joseph did. So I was like, all right, you know, so I'm not going to say I'm going to have her out there mowing the lawn this summer. But I mean, when I think about it, it was like my when I was growing up, I would mow the yard with my dad like they had their own business. And my dad had me mowing the lawn at 10 years old on a riding mower. Granted, it was like the tractor style, mm-hmm. which is slower and more controlled. The yeah. zero turn, there's a lot. It takes a lot finer control and it's a more powerful unit. So I'm a little bit like, mm. but I'm also like, you know what? In a controlled manner, let me have the kids just sit on it. I'll turn the throttle down. I'll have them drive it back and forth and go mm-hmm. around. Of course, they like turn and tore the grass all to hell and, you know, had to do that. And so I had to like, you know, they did that. And I was like, great, you're learning. You're getting a feel for it. I was like, let me let me bring you over here and show you like when you when you went full speed and then you just immediately turned it. And it was kind of, seemed kind of fun as you did that. Here's what it did to the grass. And they showed this big divot and they're like, oh, you know, so educating them in a controlled manner. But also just made me realize like, wow, I've done this for so long. Like I don't even think about how seamlessly I can like mow the lawn. I've never ridden one of those and, things. Oh, like fun. I haven't, I haven't had, it's I haven't, so fun. you know, ever since my, uh, ever since I moved out of my home, I've haven't sat on a riding lawnmower. Yeah. You know, my grandfather had the old, you know, silver craftsman, like everybody yeah. had in the eighties and sure. early nineties. But, uh, yeah. We have like a lawn tractor style, which is more like a steering wheel, driving a car kind of thing. But this is like a tank. Oh, oh, I know. So like the wheels are independent of each other and this goes faster. It goes like nine miles an hour, which is, you know, sprinting speed. Go-kart speed, speed, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty fast. So when you're like, it's a 900 pound machine dry. So you can can hit something and it do damage. So I'm trying to walk that line. So I'll see how that goes. But, you know, hey. Progress interest i'm getting to that point where it's like well i mean joseph's 13 i'm like in three years he could theoretically be driving a car oh my god and i'm just like well a lawnmower is actually a pretty good way to like learn a stepping stone of responsibility towards a big machine time to get that dune buggy <laughs> clearly i need to build a wooden go-kart with my niece <laughs> and uh we can make that happen so and make a f- super flammable candle there we go anyway so that's what's up in my world Woo! all right we are nearing the end here let's do some company updates and then we'll wrap this thing up Drew, you got some giveaway results. I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody. (laughs) We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you um, enter the giveaway. So far, um, I have reached out to the winner, and um, she has said, yep, that was me. Send my stuff. So great. I've also reached out to the second winner. No response back yet. So um, as of right now, you know, we have, uh, you know, another day until um, I need to hear a response. Otherwise, I might need to pick somebody else. But um, it is over. It's closed out. It went off without a hitch, other than the fact that I forgot to kind of flip a switch to make it actually accessible to you guys. So I'm sorry <laughs> if you uh, encountered that. Totally my fault. But we didn't have any bots or spam uh, spammers. So my, my faith in the internet is mildly restored. Well, this was a pretty like... We, we put up a lot of safeguards. Yeah. <laughs> it was and, like a secret. And you know what the best thing was, Brian? Mm. When they realized that I hadn't said it to public, there were some people saying like, hey, the turkey hammock thing isn't visible. 
Like they were so You're so cryptic cr- about it. Yes, I'm like, oh, y'all are the best. Love you guys. Y'all are the best. Seriously, <laughs> like that's because I threatened. Like we're never going to be in giveaway <laughs> again if we have a problem at all. No, they were so great about it. They were so great about it. That's awesome. And um, like literally hundreds of responses. You know, I'm so I wanted to I wanted to give everybody something. I just Wait, love what, it so like much. Eight hundred and seventy entries that, or something yes, like that. And then, so it was and, a lot of y'all. So there was that. There was you. that comment section. And almost everyone said something like that. That engagement is unheard of, guys. Yeah, like it's nuts. Love you so much. Um, and uh, I just out of curiosity, I highlighted you know the cell to cover all of the comments. Popped them into a word cloud generator. If you've seen one of those, it's like you know the most common word is like boom in the middle, and then there's all these like little words around it. I wanted to know kind of like what was said. Number one, the biggest right in the middle was just love. Because the feedback always included, I love what you guys do so much. Love, 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 love. And I just love pulled that. up that word cloud. It just said love right love. there. I was like, oh, you guys, thank you. Yes, yes, there um, is good in the world. Yeah, so, you know, nothing, <laughs> nothing super. Um, turkey and hammock were both in there in <laughs> the in awesome. the world cloud. Like, oh my god. So <laughs> that just went great. Um, one of the uh, uh, comments, though, I had to just read verbatim was, I don't know why, but I love the pen cast. <laughs> I love that so That's much. Very fitting. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, I don't know why, but I love this. Like, it's just the most, huh? It's a hodgepodge. But um, and then we had a great response of people saying like, Hey, I really love you know the new stuff. I love the Q and A. I love the what's happening. So it really feels like you know we're good hitting mix. a bunch of bases. So yeah. um, it was mostly positive stuff. So like there was a bit good good bit of feedback here and there. Not a ton that we needed to change. Um, but, uh, please always let us know, like we are 100% open to hearing what you, uh, think of this and, um, anything that we could do better or things that you like, like it's always an open channel, but, uh, thank you so much for including this it is over, you know, it's a lot of comments. Um, I won't go through them all. I will, but, uh, it's going to take a bit, but thank you so much. It went off great. And that means that we can do another one one day. Yeah. So far until, yeah. until the internet, you know, ruins Brian's faith again, uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're good to go for another one. So, um, yeah, we will have uh, pencast number one hundred coming up before we know it, probably. So, uh, perhaps we'll have to do another one then. I'm open to it. Yeah. Um, other things we have. Um, Drew's been doing these videos regularly of new stuff, like like an extended version of what we talk about. But he's actually like showing and demonstrating new stuff. So I just wanted to shed some attention over that way. Um, so it's you know you're doing it most weeks. I think we might. You know, we've, we've played around with different timing. Yeah, it was we were kind of just talking earlier today. We're probably looking at like two times a month, you know, sort of a thing. Yeah. But it might flex a little bit. So I'm just curious if you all have any feedback about that. Go check those out because it's something that we're experimenting with. It seems like there's value in it. Yeah, because at this point, you know, the people watching probably watch both. You know, it'd be nice yeah, to know. Maybe, like, maybe. Uh, we're trying to figure out the best way to like not duplicate the exact same information, but show it in its best form. Or maybe it doesn't so, matter. I don't know. What do, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. So we're just kind of looking for some feedback on that. Um, and then the other new video that we have is an update to our Visconti Homo sapiens, which if I get it edited and reviewed in time, will be public before this video publishes, but maybe not. If not, then it's coming soon. Get excited. But, um, yeah, that one was... Uh, sadly needing an update because a bit has changed since 20 what 14 when well, i came out with that they, first they used one. to have 
you know, basically, you know, the Homo sapiens with different metal trim. Yeah. Now they've got like so what? How, how many different, different Homo sapiens? Oh, like, it was like seven or eight different options, oh and God. I didn't even cover every possible. Like, I mean, I guess model. I guess to be fair, they did. They were doing like the acrylic versions, like in a, in a limited special edition capacity. They back had then. that, but then they had but, like the evolution, like that. Was oh, in there. that thing. They discontinued yeah. that, but like the demo stones and yeah, the, there's so many more the now. New, the new colored versions, yeah. and, you know, the um, magma. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of just the, all that. Did they have so. Dark Age back when you did they the first Dark video? Age in they the did. First okay, one. Dark yeah. Age had come out. Yeah, okay. yeah. So anyway, um, go check that out. And then um, yeah, we'll have a lot more stuff coming. It's a lot of the good flow of new products coming out now. So um, all right, let's rack this thing up. So I want to thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. You can do that in the comments on YouTube. You know, if we have questions, we'll try out the community thing. You know, basically Instagram posting on YouTube is sort of what that is. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you can always uh, email us to it, pencastagulepens.com, and we'll uh, do that. You can check out gulepens.com. We got all kinds of fountain pens, ink, paper, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I have my uh, random fun fact, Drew. This, I've shared this internally with our company, but I thought it would be worth updating. Okay. Another AI-driven AI thing. Um, cake versus pie is a big thing that we talk about a lot internally in this company. Yes. And uh, one of the big debates about cake versus pie is where does cheesecake fall? I We already talked about this last week. I told you. I did. I don't. Did I? I didn't. I don't think I talked about this. Did I? What is that? I read. I got an. I got a quasi official answer about it. I told you to. It's a tort. No tart. It's no. a tart. No. It is. It no. is definitively a tart. The or, a or AI or, disagrees AI. with you on that one. So I asked ChatGPT: Is mm. cheesecake cake or pie? Mm. And I thought I would be worth reading. Now, just to let you know how unbiased I am, I do not agree with the final outcome, but I can see the argument okay so i'm a i'm a cake person just fyi there's honestly there's no wrong way to go but i just i like cake better than pie um anyway so here's what it says cheesecake is a dessert that combines both elements sorry elements of both cakes and pies but it is typically considered a type of pie Mm. It consists of a filling made from soft cheese, usually cream cheese, sugar, and other flavorings poured over a crust made from crushed graham crackers, cookies, or pastry. The structure is more similar to pie, which generally has a crust and a filling. However, the name cheesecake and its texture can create some confusion, leading some to classify it as a cake. Ultimately, it's up to personal interpretation, but most people would categorize cheesecake as a pie due to its crust and filling composition. Mm -mm. Now, to be fair, this AI does disclaim that it has a potential for misinformation and being wrong. So let this be a, a word of caution, perhaps. <laughs> but. It is a tart <laughs> or a flan. It is neither cake nor pie. I don't know enough about I looked it up last week. Flans? Tart and flan didn't come up in here, and well, there, there's, there's, there's ChatGPT can pass the U.S. medical exam. It's passed like every university graduate testing thing in existence so i would imagine it's got pastries down pretty good but i don't know maybe you're right mm. check your nobody sources, nobody gets check it your it's neutral territory nobody gets cheesecake cake doesn't get it pie doesn't get we it. do generally exclude that from the conversation yeah. when we're debating it internally i also like to exclude savories because 
you know, that's just a whole different type of food. We're talking dessert cake, dessert pie. Yeah, there's not a, good, a lot of good savory cakes. No, no, it's a, it's, it's a whole different. I feel different. like that's just like something if you want to win the pie cake. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you include yes. pizza? Right. Like, right? Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Get it yeah. out of here. And then, yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. That's, that's all I got. Mm. So there you go. Let us know what you think. Do you agree with this cheesecake interpretation? And are you team cake or team pie? Note that Drew and I are both team cake. We are. So there's no debate to be had. Nope. <laughs> We're both pro cake. Though cake, Rachel is cake, pie. Cake goes better with coffee. All of my dessert rankings are based on how well they go with pie. Uh, sorry, coffee. Yeah. And cake goes better. It's Most more, pie is really weird with coffee. It is. It, cake is more absorbent. Tiramisu is the ultimate coffee dessert. However, I mm. recently discovered affogato, which is like espresso poured over some gelato. So me about this. Oh, it's so good. Okay, I'm into it. All right, that's all we got for you this week, everybody. Thanks so much for watching, and right on.